Hello and welcome to the Best Boys Podcast. I'm Best Boy Dan. And I'm Best Boy Justin. And there she is, the most beautiful anime in all the world. Oh my. This time I did know you were going to do it, but they didn't. (laughs) Yeah, well, it took us two takes, but... (laughs) It's an award show, so I felt like singing our award show song that Hooray! I just made up right now. Yay! It's the uh, annual Best Boy Anime Awards. Yeah, Happy New Year's. Every year we we round out the season with our very special awards ceremony. Yeah, and we're not going to do it in uh, five parts this time. We're just going to give you the awards up front. Well, that's what Dan thinks. I'm actually recording four more parts after he goes to bed tonight. And they're all about Gundam. Ah, fun times. Uh, but up first, let's get into it. <laughs> yeah, so why don't we talk a little bit about the format of our little Best Boys Anime Awards. Um, because it changes every year. Because that seems like a, a tenable thing to, to do every year. <laughs> yeah. So basically... So we have a format this year. Yeah, so basically um, the way it works is... And y- you guys are going to notice that... Um, we kind of have three for each category. We have three to four entries, right? We've got our, uh, honorable mention, which will have one, sometimes two, sometimes none. Um, we'll have a runner up and we'll have a winner. Um, and the way we kind of chose these, the, the nominees were, um, these were shows that we watched, right? We did not have time to watch every single show, that came out this year. It's just not possible. I am I am disappointed in you. I know, That's right? It's almost like we run this podcast and also have full-time jobs or something. Um, <laughs> no. But that's just the case. I mean, we didn't have time to catch up on, you know, 10 seasons of Bleach. So, you know, we, we I'm sorry to you Bleach fans out there. We know it's awesome. So, like, you can insert your winner uh, from Bleach into any of these categories that you like. Same goes for the you know shows like Mob Psycho 100 that we just weren't able to watch. Yeah, um, JoJo's Bizarre One Adventure, piece. any idol show, um, yeah. <laughs> you know. So the, we we have blind spots. These, that's why these are not. This is not the 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 Crunchyroll Awards or anything. This is the Best Boys Awards. This is our awards, and so we hope you yeah. we hope you take that uh, into consideration when we talk about who's uh, who are our winners for this year. Which I think it's important to note, too, that, like, these awards are solely based on our opinion. So that makes it fact. And if you have a problem with it, um, get in our menchies. But otherwise, I don't care. Yeah. Despite the fact that they are mathematically correct, they are our opinions. With all of that said, Best Buds, we're going to get into, I guess, what'll be the meat and potatoes of this episode, but the actual awards. Up first, we're going to hit kind of uh, the categories of the year, and we're going to start with Best Romance. That's right, Best Buds. Um, Best Romance. We had a lot of really fun romance this year, and I think we kind of... um, I think we kind of nailed it in this category. If I don't, if I do say so myself. Um, yeah, I feel I feel really good about this one. Yeah. So first up, we're going to talk about our honorable mentions, and we actually have two for this year. Um, the first one that I wanted to talk about was uh, Call of the Night, and um, I think Call of the Night was just a really pleasurable viewing experience for me. Um, the the backgrounds and the the music were also perfectly tuned for this anime 
that I actually read the manga for and dropped after like five chapters because it just didn't interest me. Um, so I was shocked at how much the anime drew me in. Um, now, the reason why it's not... It's a, an I would also say that some of the reasons that the anime draws you in are some of the things that you can only get from an anime. Yeah, like you don't get like the music and the colors. You don't. You don't that, get music you know. in your manga. Uh, Dan, not you, typically. You have to turn the volume up. You have to. You have to turn it up. Uh, ah, yeah. <laughs> there are like some uh uh like. Manhwa and like webtoons that have uh, music that yes, plays along with it. Yeah. <clears throat> um, anyway, but um, yeah. So this one, I feel like um, I really wanted to talk about, even though you know, as a as a romance um, anime, it doesn't quite stack up to the to the runner up and the winner we have for this year. Uh, definitely worth talking about. Now, there are some things that kind of make it a little bit of a of, of a less appealing show for some people. Um, there, it is an age gap romance, um, so there is that kind of uncomfortable facet of it um, for some people. It's a thing that I think about, so it's not like uh, it's not like I'm out here like, oh yeah, I love me some age gap. But it, it is um, even even with that part of it, I felt like it was a very enjoyable uh, watch, and I definitely recommend it. Um, it's also kind of off the beaten path, so it's not your typical like romance style anime. Um, in that the the main character is not in love with the female lead, but he wants to be um, because he wants to become a vampire. And the only way that you could do that is if you're in love with a vampire who bites you. Um, so that I felt was kind of a different enough uh, premise that it deserved to be talked about. Um, you watched a couple episodes of it, too. Best Boy Dan, you want to talk? Do you have anything you want to talk about before we move to the next honorable mention? Yeah, this show is like vibes. Oh right? yeah, it's oh yeah, uh, like just the and it'll come up again. Yeah, we're gonna talk about vibes. It a lot. Um, but it's you know the music and just kind of the the backgrounds within the show are um, are very unique and set and make night. Uh, kind of bright in a way that I haven't seen portrayed in a lot of media, really. Yeah. Uh, it brings an aliveness to night and kind of a different kind of characteristic um, through lighting. So it's just kind of pleasurable, like, to watch visually and auditorily. Yeah, I think you definitely hit the nail on the head when you said it, uh, when you said vibes, because this one reminded me, like, when I was watching this show, it was unlocking core memories for me of being in Japan at night as a younger man. Um, and just, like, the way the kind of streets feel, the way the back alleys feel, the the way you kind of have, like, a, like a street and a sidewalk that's illuminated by vending machines, you know? Mm. It, it definitely felt that kind of that exciting night feeling of being out at after dark. So it definitely, it definitely nailed it on that front. Yeah. Um, the, the next up, we have another honorable mention in this category and that is love after world domination. Um, and this one is one you might've missed you, you would have been forgiven for kind of skipping this one because it does on the surface seem like 
a fairly simple, not too, like, no frills romance anime. But it actually isn't. It's really good. Like, if you, you when you look at the, when you watch the first episode and you read the synopsis, you will think that you know everything there is to know about this show. But this show does a very good job of pleasantly surprising you in that regard. Um, in that it does have kind of a silly premise, right? So this is a world where there are superhero teams, right? Um, kind of like the Power Rangers, they're Sentai teams, right? Um, and there are, like, local villain groups that they fight, and, you know, the villain groups get up to shenanigans, and it, it, it's silly like that, but it does take itself pretty seriously um, when we're discussing the, the kind of interpersonal relationships, especially between um, the male lead and the female lead, who are, you know, obviously, um, she is a uh, one of the elite uh, villains in the area, and he is the leader. Uh, he's the red, the leader person of the uh, local hero team. Um, and I thought, oh, star-crossed love. Yeah, exactly. But it, you know, it was handled really well. Um, they have a lot of really cute moments together. Um, one of the things I really enjoyed about this show is they actually used um, real superhero teams from like the regional areas of Japan because like they travel around other areas, of course. And um, for that, they actually there are like groups of like quote unquote superheroes in Japan who dress up in costume and they go around and they do like community service and they do like you know roadway cleanups and stuff like that. Um, and they they you had mean them, they don't fight crime. Well, I mean some of them probably do. I don't know, but um, <laughs> but yeah, and they 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 gave, they credited them in the credits and they like said like showed pictures of them uh, in costume and I thought that was a pretty cool element to the show as well. Yeah, I, it's it's a very like anime thing to like have uh, kind of real world tie-ins to it. Oh yeah, um, I kind of think of let's make a mug. Oh yeah, uh, let's make a mug. Yuru Camp, um, you know, any anywhere where there, it's like a location specific kind of deal. Yeah, so uh, I I think that I, I saw a few episodes of this and I enjoyed what I watched. So. It, it did seem, especially when we're talking about romances, like the chemistry between the characters was really good, and it, it makes sense on this list for sure. Yeah. Um, much like the uh, runner-up makes sense being on the list, which is Kaguya-sama. Yeah. Uh, Love is War. Ultra, ultra romantic, romantic. A.K.A. Season 3. Yeah. Um, and... It's Love is War. This is well-established in this genre and in comedy. This is kind of one of the, um, like, will-they-won't-they, like, kind of shows out there. absolutely. Um, And uh, I think they actually just dropped the news today that it's getting an American and Canadian release in February. Oh, for the movie. That's wonderful. Yeah. Yeah, I mean this this show. Um, obviously, if you've if you've been watching Kaguya-sama: Love Is War, um, you're aware of of how amazing this show is. But even within you know within itself, this season in particular was really phenomenal. Um, the ending is explosive. Um, so if you if you haven't finished it yet, uh, make sure you do that before you go watch the movie because apparently the the movie takes place right after. Um, the end of the last episode of um, kind of what goes. So, like, if you if you haven't seen it, it will spoil things at the end of the season for you. 
um, which I'm not going to do here. But um, basically, you know, if you're if you're a, a Love Is War fan, then you know that this show really does a good job of mixing romantic elements. You've got your comedic elements, um, kind of in the forefront. It's a it's not like a it's not like a heavy drama romance show, right? This is a, it has its moments, but this is a rom com. You know, it's funny, it's romantic. Um, Sometimes it takes itself really seriously, and sometimes it's an episode where they're blowing up a balloon for a party game, you know? Um, but I think this season does a really good job. I mean, of... that was one of the best episodes ever. <laughs> it was. It was probably one of the best episodes of any comedy show ever, actually. But um, it didn't happen this season. But, it, you know, this season we got a, re- a lot of really good um, continuation also of kind of some of the sub-stories that are going on around the two... Uh, main characters Kage and Shirogane, um, so we 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 got kind of a a double. It it almost felt like a double season in that like oh we have this main story that is progressing to a to an explosive kind of conclusion, but then also we got these like two or three kind of side stories that are also um, you know making huge leaps in the story, moving the story forward. Um, so you know it, it's tough for a sequel to kind of get onto one of these awards list but this one definitely belongs here uh for kaguya-sama love is war ultra romantic ultra romantic um and i think that leads nicely into our winner which drumroll my dress up darling absolutely there's Um, no question a a new queen has entered the ring like (laughs) this show was you know aside from all the things that made the show great to just break it down and talk about the romance aspect of it it was great you have these two unlikely characters you have the gyaru you have the like recluse like person with the weird hobby they get together she expresses her love openly first and then it becomes about her kind of chasing him and and the way that they do it is just like so kind of like genuine and you're just rooting for these characters the whole time like they make sense together it's not just like you know uh, some schmo and then like (laughs) this really awesome woman that he doesn't deserve. Like yeah. they're a, they're a great team and you can understand why they would be interested in each other and they, how they kind of like bring out, you know, the parts in each other that each other are lacking in and, and things like that. Yeah. I think you, you definitely, um, you definitely touched on something very important right there just now, Dan, because uh, one of the things that I like the most about this show is the chemistry and the interpersonal relationships between Gojo and Marin, um, they definitely they 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 emulate a um, what's what's the word I'm looking for? It's a really good example of what two people who work to complete each other looks like. You know, so you've got yeah. Gojo, like you know, Marin. She's a, like the you know, prototypical Gyaru, she's popular, she's outgoing, she's loud, and she's funny, but she she has her own issues. She's not, it's not like she's perfect, and she's never portrayed that way. And even though, you know, 
Gojo, he is this kind of reclusive, kind of sad, um, withdrawn person. That doesn't mean that he is not also capable of coming out of his shell and doing what he needs to do to help and, um, you know, be a part of the wider world around him. It just is not as easy for him. Um, as it is for Marin. And it, that kind of changes and it grows throughout. Um, and also the show, you know, it, it, it again, like um, Kaguya-sama, but to a much different degree, it's a rom-com. So yes, it has its drama, uh, you know, it has its drama, but it's also just really funny. So like... Oh, I, so hilarious. I was watching clips uh, from the show... Um, earlier today and one of my favorites that i just had to talk about was the there is a scene where they're both they're at the like a summer festival they're wearing yukatas the fireworks are going off they're looking at each other it's very romantic this you know the camera's going back and forth between her face and his face and he's looking <laughs> wow, at her i feel like she's... i've never seen this this scene in anime before that well, you're describing yeah and she's looking at him <laughs> and then all of a sudden as like the fireworks crescendo she sticks out her tongue, and her tongue is blue because she's been eating blue ice cream, and she goes, meh, yeah. and I'm like, it was so, like, the drama, like, they ramped it up all the way just to, like, make you fall apart laughing. It was so well done. Yeah. Um, uh, you have that moment. I love the moment where she, like, garbles her speech because she's, like, so, like, in love with him at that moment. Mm-hmm. And and I love the how they like translate it into just like basically slamming on the keyboard. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean there's a lot of really fun elements of the show. Obviously Marnie herself, um, if you've been on the internet since this anime came out, which I don't advise, <laughs> you should never be on the internet. But if you were, um, you know how popular Except this to show download was. our podcast. Get on the internet for that. Yeah, you download our podcast and then maybe don't read the news. Uh, it's not good for you. But um no, but uh, Marin, it was everywhere. She is for for that for the season when that one came out. She was the only girl, the only best girl anyone talked about. Um, yeah. And you know, I think uh, the the internet just really appreciated she was the this bar one in a way in which every waifu and best girl were judged in twenty twenty two by. Yeah, she was she was the internet's waifu for an entire quarter. Um, and I think, you know, that's, that's something that she deserved. She was, she was kind of a, a, a new type of female lead that we don't get, we had never really had before. Um, yeah. and I think is, is worth exploring in that regard. Um, but overall the show as a romance, uh, anime just really knocks it out of the park. It's not just the best one this year. It's one of my favorites overall. I, I would absolutely agree with it. And kind of the last thing I want to say about it is that I love how real it is just in terms of communication and interaction and all that. And and the thing that stands out is um, when Gojo pushes himself, right, because of a miscommunication and he like thinks he needs to get uh, the costume done. And it's just, it's the, the moments that that creates between the two of them set the precedent of the show 
of what their relationship is going to be like. And in those moments, you like have that intense connection where you're like, I've been in this situation where, you know, something was really difficult because I didn't communicate with someone clearly. And it's just like, it feels very lived in. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So that is why it wins our best romance. Absolutely. And uh, I think we've kind of, uh, we've nailed everything on that one. So it's time for us to move on to our next category, which is best comedy. And this was uh, a fun one because there there were a lot of good comedies this year. Yeah. Uh, up first, our honorable mention is Spy Family. Absolutely. Uh, which Anya is one of the largest reasons for she is hysterical. Oh, yeah. I mean, everything from the facial expressions to the way she views and talks about and considers the world around her is, like, kind of seen through a comedic lens, and it's really, really fun. Yeah, plus, like, just all of the memes she generates. Oh, my God. The endless memes. My favorite my favorite Anya meme is the one where she takes over the world, and they just put her in, like, various really intense moments in manga. So, like, you have her at the end of the <laughs> um, Attack on Titan manga, like, standing off against Eren, and you have her in One Piece getting ready to fight Luffy. <laughs> um, you have her standing with Naruto getting ready to fight Madara. Uh, it's so funny. It's so good. Yeah, it, you know, and kind of like t- this show really nails a ton of aspects. The animation, the um, intrigue story, the comedy, the, you know, family like vibes, like everything. It's, yeah. It is just a pleasure to watch and was kind of one of the breakout hits of the year. Like if you, this is one of those shows that like, Regardless of who you are, if you're not watching Spy Family, you you should be. Yeah, absolutely. And it also brought a lot of people to anime who are not, like, regular anime viewers. Because, like, I've had a ton of people come to me and go, oh, hey, you like anime, right? I'm like, yeah, I like anime. They're like, oh, I just started watching this one show. I really like it. Spy Family. Like, um, even, like, my cousin, I have a cousin who, who doesn't usually watch anime. Um, but she let me know. She's like, hey, I've been watching Spy Family. I really like it. Um and I think that's great, you know? That's a really great thing that yeah. it, that you have a show that is so accessible um, to people, whether or not they have, like, a background in, like, or are regular anime viewers, you know? Yeah, absolutely. So, definitely deserves to be on this list. Very funny. Absolutely. Um, not quite as funny as the next one on our list. Yeah, which the runner-up for the best comedy category is uh, Aharon-san. This show, um, which I, the, the full title is Aharon-san is Indecipherable, um, is just, it, it also did a good job of, during during its run, spawning just a in, in a flood, an avalanche of memes, um, because Aharon-san is just like this kind of enigma. She's so funny. Like, she, the, the one that I remember the most vividly, is the one where she is just headbutting him for no reason. So like he, it just shows him throughout this, the main character going throughout his day, and at random points she just like headbutts him, and um, it's ju- it's done to such a degree that like even though you know it's gonna happen, you can't help but laugh every time she does it. Um, there's an episode where the main character forgets to do to zip up his fly before he leaves the house. 
And because she's kind of awkward and she doesn't really, she's bad at like gauging distance between people and like reading social cues, she doesn't know how to tell him. So she spends the entire day standing in front of his crotch. And because she acts so weirdly on a regular basis, neither he nor anyone around him really kind of like really kind of thinks that's weird or says anything about it. And then like, it's, it's funny because the character, the main character, he realizes it when he gets home because his sister goes, Hey, your fly is down. And he goes, (laughs) Oh, and he goes and zips it up. And then he realizes she's been standing in front of him all day. And that's why, um, (laughs) it's just a, a really fun show. It's actually also a really cute show. It was almost, it almost made honorable mention for best romance. Um, but as far as a comedy goes, it, this one was knock it out of the park. Hilarious. Yeah. Um, definitely, definitely one of the funniest shows this year, but not, not quite the funniest that was reserved for what, uh, and I don't know if I'm saying this right. Baki, the, the raw, I think it's pronounced Roke, Dan. Roke? Yeah. Baki, the Roke. (laughs) It's Bochi, the rock. Bochi the Rock, which uh, is, wow, what an amazing show. We just did an episode all about it. Yeah, Um, we just did an episode all about it, and there is still more to talk about, because the show, as a comedy, we're going to discuss it right now, is hilarious. Um, Oh, my God. To me, (laughs) the funniest moments of the show actually don't necessarily have to do with like what a character says or does. It has to do with the way the show animates itself. So like um, to me, the moment, the the moment where I first realized like, Oh, this show is like, is this show is going to be one of the funniest shows we see all year was when uh, one of the characters, they just finished doing something that like makes them really nervous and they puke on stage. Right. And usually, you know how they handle throwing up in anime. It's usually like a rainbow or like, you know, whatever. But in this case, what they do is they just cut in live action screenshots of various dams in Japan. And it was just... With like water you know, spewing out Water of spewing out of the, 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 the gates of the dam. And it was just so... It was done so well. Uh, and the timing is so good. And that's something that's the that this show does consistently well is really good comedic timing. It hits right when you need it, you know? Oh, yeah. And, and just Bochi is an absolute goldmine. The way her mind works and is portrayed through animation um, is just a goldmine because... They break all the rules. They can do claymation. They can do stop motion. They can do live action. You know, any kind of art style. Like, there's moments where she's Salvador Dali. Oh, my God. When when they did her as the scream was so funny. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, there is nothing off limits for the animation in this show. You know, there's a a scene where she gets destroyed and they depict her as, like, the Yamcha meme. Like, buried in the ground. Oh, my God. I love that. (laughs) Like it's it just it hits and because of the structure of the show you kind of never know when it's coming to yeah um because it can just jump into it at any moment um but it's it's just so thoroughly well done i think one of my favorite moments just to kind of put a bow on it is like when she's having social anxiety and basically her idea is that her 
the way she acts will be so offensive that they will literally only be able to react by punishing her to death. Oh, I, yeah. And they kind of, like, I, depict it as, like, kind of Salem witch trials, like, kind of history book, like, art. Well, like, have her burning on the pyre. Yeah, and that actually, that's really funny that you said that, because the one thing that I also wanted to mention before we move on was the fa- the way that they, they deal with comedy in two different ways in the show. There's visual humor, which is obviously what we've been talking about with the different animation styles and stuff like that, but there is also narrative humor, and the, the, those usually come in the form of Bochi overthinking something. And my favorite example of this was when they told her, like, oh, you're going to need to get a job so that we can, you know, we can fill our... Our, our quota so we can um you know we so we can play a show which because because of the way like live venue shows work in japan it's incredibly manipulative by the way and you should read into it but um because of the way they work they, they these girls need jobs right and bochi's like oh my god i'm gonna have to get a job if i get a job at a convenience store i'm going to you know i'm gonna be so awkward and i'm going to offend the customers so bad they're gonna arrest me and they're gonna put me on trial and they're gonna sentence me to death and i'm gonna be on death row and like it just goes through like little short like 10 second clips of these like various ways in which she's going to be like persecuted for having <laughs> the audacity to be awkward with a customer and it is just so well done. Um, it's a really hilarious way to like look into somebody's mind when they're like having a panic attack about social anxiety or something. And weirdly, like a very kind of real depiction of it in an outlandish way. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so yeah, that's our so, that about does it for our best comedy section. What do we got next? Best I'm boy, sure Dan? we'll never never talk about Pochi. Yeah, don't don't worry guys. Again. We're not going to have to hear about this show again. Just forget about it. Yeah, that's it. Best comedy, nothing else. Yeah. Uh anyway, up next is Best Isekai, which this I guess while we were putting this together, we learned that like Best Boy Justin is the Isekai stand this year. Yeah, I think I watched like Every isekai that was worth watching, I watched this year. For some reason, I don't know why. I'm not usually an isekai stan. I think part <laughs> of it is that I'm missing ReZero, so maybe that's where I am just like kind of searching oh, for something yeah. to fill that void. Um, yeah, we do need a season three of that. Yeah, we do. Um, but yeah, so I watched just about every isekai this season, this year. Um, so I'm going to talk about a couple of them. And yeah, just lay it on us, best boy Justin. This is all you. So the first show that we're going to talk about in the best isekai category um, is our honorable mention, and that is Ascendance of a Bookworm. Um, now, this one is in its, uh, is it second or third season? I don't remember. Um, third season. Yeah, third season. And it is, how do I put it? It's it's growing. It's explosively building the world around itself to be much, much larger than the main character. If you're not familiar with this show, Basically, it um, centers around Mine, who is a girl who has been reincarnated into this new world after being crushed under the the stacks of a falling bookshelf in, in her library that she worked in in a past life. Um, she loves books so much, and the only thing she wants to do is read Which books. is one of my favorite isekai methods. Yeah, I mean, listen, as far as it goes, for me, it's truck-coon, and then it is being crushed by a library stack. Um, but for her, unfortunately, the world that she is reincarnated into, literacy is not really a thing. Um, common people don't have access to books, only the super rich do. And even those books are usually just kind of like 
you know, things about, you know, policy, religion, religious texts, things like that. Um, So basically it kind of chronicles her, you know, her way of basically inventing books and she kind of has to do it from the ground up. So like, obviously the first thing you need to invent is paper because most books in this, um, in this world are written on basically um, pigskin paper. Leather. Yeah. It's a, it's a way that it's a, it's a thing that exists, um, but it's not really, uh, it's really expensive compared to actual paper. So basically she invents papyrus um, and then she has to invent ink and binding and so on and so forth. But, um, this show, we we get a lot of world building in this season, and that's kind of why I wanted to bring it as an honorable mention, because it does an excellent job of building this new world that she's been reincarnated into. Um, and like the first season, we're learning about the society that she lives in, right? So we're learning about the religious structures, we're learning about how you know, nobility works to a certain degree in the second season, she's leaving her house. Right. So we're, we're getting an idea of how the world, the wider world around her, but still within her own kingdom works. Um, and then in this season, season three, we get a, we zoom out way all the way out to kind of see what, like the kind of different inter kingdom, you know, relationships are, how these power structures kind of, are built around the world that she is used to. Um, and I think it's just, it's done really well to the point where you don't realize it's been world building until like the season is already over. You're like, Oh, this we're in a completely different place from where we started, you know? Um, and I just thought it deserved to be talked about for that. And it, it is also, you know, as far as um, Isekai go, this is one of the better ones out there. And it also has one of the oh, most yeah, adorable main sure. characters that there are. Um, so, you know, if you're, if you're into isekai at all, but you kind of wanted something that was not really your standard fare, it's not like you're kind of, I'm reincarnated and I have a harem full of beast girls who hang out with me for some reason. Um, and you wanted something with a little bit more substance. Um, this is going to be your way to go. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so with that out of the way, we're going to talk about the runner up for this season. And this one is a little bit of a surprise because, um, you know, this one, it was something I was not planning on really paying attention to um, until I watched it and it grabbed me. Um, and this one is reincarnated as a sword. Um, so we're definitely kind of leaving that beaten path of isekai um, stories wherein the main character is not reincarnated as a living thing, but rather an inanimate object. Or inanimate is kind of... That's not really where it ends up. He's an he basically becomes an intelligent weapon, right? And oh my god, we're getting closer to vending machine in a dungeon. We are getting closer every day that draws forth. You get closer and closer to being killed by a refrigerator in a dungeon. No, um, reincarnated as a sword. This show, the thing that really sold me on it was the way the main character, who is a sword, he is later given the name Shisho, which means like master or teacher by. Our other main character, Fran, who is an absolute must-protect cat girl. Uh, so adorable. And the thing that I really liked about it is it doesn't come at a place... It doesn't come to this this topic as a place of, like, I am your savior. And, like, I am, you know, the all-powerful. And it is thanks to me that you are able to, to, to survive in the world. It is... The, the main character, the sword character, he is giving Fran the means 
of which to survive with her own power in the world. So he doesn't free her in the sense that he's so to to start off you know when we the show starts off Fran she's a she's a black cat girl it's like a persecuted species in this world and she is being held as a uh, she's being enslaved um by this like slaver guy who's really bad uh, obviously because he owns slaves anyone who owns slaves is bad and even if they started your country um but she um she kind of comes across him in a moment of very dire need and it is he basically he gives her the power to take charge of her own destiny and kill her master, which is a thing you should always do if you're enslaved. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, as far as as far as a framework for an isekai goes, this one is definitely breaking the mold. Right. We um, we have had a couple um, hints of some things that are coming on the horizon where it's an isekai that deals with. Um, being reborn as an inanimate object. This is kind of a continuation of like things that you saw where with like reincarnated as a spider. So I'm a spider, so what? So like this is your character who's being... So I'm a spider, so, so what? what? Uh, because Joe Pesci plays that. Um, no, um, so like you had that in that where we're kind of pushing the envelope with the character, the main character not being um, like a quote-unquote hero character, but is actually like a, a monster, right? Um, and in that, we're kind of pushing the envelope even further with the character not even being like a, a quote unquote animate person. Like it's a it's it's an inanimate object, right? Um, so I think that that's why it definitely deserved to be talked about because a lot of times a show like this where it's pushing the envelope, it's trying to do something new. The first show or two to do that will fail, um, and I think that is the opposite for this show. This show has such an incredible array of characters. Um, who all have like kind of goals and motivations that feel organic and they feel, um, you know, lived in and they feel approachable. Um, it's got your you've got like your hit of cuteness with the main uh, character, Fran. She's adorable. They they give her different armor sets. So you get to say you get to see, oh, she's so cute looking like this and she's so cute looking like that. Um, and, and you get like this kind of growth that feels Less like, oh, I have found an all-powerful sword and that allows me to, to, to do what I want. And more along the lines of like, hey, this sword that I've found gives me the opportunity to seize my own destiny in a world where I wouldn't otherwise be able to do that. And it's, it's, it's less directed by the sword and more directed by how she wants to make her way in this world. Um, it's it's opportunity exactly um and i thought that that was really well done for an isekai um and i think as far as we're talking about um isekai that are off the beaten path i think it's time for us to introduce our winner of the best isekai category for this year 2022 um and that is the executioner and her way of life because this in this anime we have a yuri isekai um it's also worth noting that, that it's also worth noting that these top two uh, in this category they're both on high dive. So you get high dive is starting to put out a lot of really interesting uh, shows, um, but this one in particular, Executioner High Dive had a good showing this uh, during our anime awards. Yeah, they had a good showing and they had a big year. They they kind of have uh, exploded onto the scene in a way that no one could have predicted two years ago. Um, yeah. But as far as Executioner and Her Way of Life goes, this one, um, the the thing that makes it the winner of the Isekai, uh, the best Isekai 2022, is the way 
It's, it's not just because I like Yuri stories and it's a Yuri story. Um, although it does get points for that. But the, the thing that makes it so good is the mystery that this show kind of weaves. So, like, none of the main characters have any idea what's going on behind the scenes in this show. Um, even the people who are actually doing things behind those scenes, right? So it's it's kind of built in a way where you and the main characters are exploring um, the way that this world works. It's got a really interesting magic system. Um, so like you have the characters who walk around with these scriptures and um, the the spells all uh, they basically the the way the spells work is they all embody a concept. So it's not like fireball, right? The spell would be the concept of fire and the way that you are able to kind of envision that and make it manifest into the world is what makes it a spell. Um, and I thought that was really interesting and well done. And it, it, it speaks volumes to the way that not only magic, but also the, the fabric of the world that she is kind of born into works. Um, Creating a good magic system is hard. It is. It, it really is. Um, and, you know, those that, that kind of system, the way it works, builds to a uh, to a really good, you know, way of fighting. So the way the fights work in this show are really cool. Um, the animation is gorgeous, uh, especially for an isekai. You know, you, you, you can kind of... There are... Isekai are becoming dime a dozen, right? Uh, a lot of shows maybe don't necessarily put as much attention into, into you know, animating really cool fight scenes as they should. Um, but this one definitely doesn't take anything for granted, you know? It's, it was one of those shows that... At first, when it first came out, a lot of the people who I saw who liked it were like... Oh man, I can't, you know, it really sucks that the show's on high dive because nobody's going to watch it. But I feel like that also hasn't been borne out because it has become pretty popular um, since it came out. So people are definitely seeing it. Um, And I hope, you know, we definitely get to see it come back soon because this show for me, and again, this one was not one that I was going into the season like, like, oh, I'm looking forward to that show because I didn't even know it was a Yuri show until I started watching it. so, you know, definitely if you're looking for for an isekai that does things off the beaten path and does them well, uh, is well-rounded and interesting, um, this is the show for you. And that's why it's the winner this year. Best isekai, Executioner and Her Way of Life. Um, and I think this is a really good way for us to transition into our next category. Best Boy Dan? Absolutely. Uh, up next, we are going to dive into Best Fantasy, which is distinctly different from Best Isekai. Yeah. Um, and in the honorable mention slot, we have I'm Quitting Heroing. Yeah. Um, I'm Quitting Heroing. This was a fun one. Again, also on High Dive. So maybe there you go. Maybe pay attention to what's going on in High Dive this, uh, this coming year. Um, I'm Quitting Heroing. It's worth talking about as a fantasy it is also technically an isekai, um, but in a very weird way. But uh, it doesn't really get any points for that as far as best isekai is concerned. But as a fantasy show, um, this show has an interesting way of considering what do we do with a hero who can't die? Um, and it's kind of a, an interesting thing to think about because like, in order to tell this story, you have to tell it on a scale of millennia, right? Um and I'm not going to give away too much about the story because I, I do want people to watch it and I don't want to spoil anything. But the the way that they tell this story 
it does not go the direction that you think it does. It's um, basically centers around this, the hero, right? He quits heroing, okay? So basically he has saved the world yet another time. Um, but after, you know, maybe 10 years after he defeats the Demon Lord's army, he becomes ostracized by society. Society, society doesn't know what to do with him. Uh, an all-powerful person when there's, you know, when the world is at peace, right? So he kind of is fed up with it, and he just walks away, right? He's like, I'm not going to be a hero anymore. Um, and he decides to go join the new Demon Lord's army. Um, and obviously they are suspicious of him, and they, they like, don't let him join at first, and hilarity ensues. But it isn't just like a, like a hey, you know, let's tell a silly story about a hero who's not a hero anymore. Um, it actually approaches some kind of deep philosophical um, questions about what does what would it mean to be immortal? What would it mean to to live for a thousand years? You know, how would that affect your? How would that affect you mentally? How would that affect you emotionally? Um, and I think that that's you know an interesting question for a fantasy show to, to ask at the very least. Yeah, I I feel like it would mess you up pretty hard. <laughs> yeah, and I, they definitely do a good job of kind of um, of portraying that on the screen. Uh, it has one of the most incredible climaxes of any show that we had this year. Um, and uh, I definitely think, as a fantasy show, definitely worth a watch and definitely worth talking about um, when we're talking about the best fantasy of this year. Yeah. Uh, and then in the runner-up slot, we have Made in Abyss. Oh, yeah. Uh, oh, Made <laughs> where, in Abyss. <laughs> where do we start with this show? I mean, so... Made in Abyss is one of the most complex and interesting and well-developed fantasy worlds I've ever seen in media. Um, it's incredibly well fleshed out. It's unlike anything else I've ever seen. Um, the creatures, the character designs, all unbelievable. Um, and it's, it's very dramatic and, uh, also incredibly gory i mean and <laughs> speaking of dramatic let's let's talk about the full title here for a second because this is made in abyss season two and the the name of season two is the golden city of the scorching sun yeah and and that title is kind of key to the story too this is kind of uh, a different experience than the first season where you're going through the levels you're exploring uh, this takes place in this golden city uh, and you uh, are kind of telling this one story uh, one small story within this much larger world so it's a different experience um, I think the biggest thing that hampers uh made in abyss is just the kind of explicit gore and kind of what i refer to as torture porn yeah um you know it reminds me of those movies like that were popular for a little bit like hostile oh and saw um, yeah where where it's just like we're gonna introduce torture um for the sake of of kind of being gratuitous um i, I don't 
have as much of an issue with it when it's like part of the story. I think in the first season they did a good job of like, you know, showing what happens when you're adventuring and like things go wrong. And like there were moments, you know, where they were going to like amputate her arm and things like that, which were, you know, tough to watch, but aided in telling the story. I think it sometimes gets to a point, especially in this season, where it's just like, you know, it feels like a thing the show does just to kind of do for the sake of doing. Yeah, I definitely like this. Like you said, this show is one of the best fantasy worlds that we have um, in anime running at the moment. But like, I could not watch more than two episodes at a time. I would have to stop. Like, I, I'd have to, like, Best Boy Jamie was telling me, like, after he watched one of these episodes, he had to go take a walk. Like, he had to be, he's like, <laughs> I need to be outside right now. I need to not be <laughs> inside with my thoughts, you know? Um, yeah. And I think that's a common kind of experience when it comes to watching this show. Um, but even despite that, I do encourage people to watch this show if they're okay with, oh. like, gore. If you have a thing with gore and, and you have a thing with kind of, like, bodily harm and stuff like that maybe this isn't the show for you but if that's something that you can handle on some level um the the reward that you get with this show is phenomenal like the the um and even this season too you have this way of exploring like even though it only takes place really in one place what you're exploring now is not the depths of the abyss but in this case you're exploring what does a society in the abyss look like um, and that in and of itself is an incredible thing to think about. Yeah. Uh, and just, again, telling a story about a world unlike anything you've ever seen before, especially how the city works. Like, there's rules in which it's built on that are incredibly well thought out and the structure kind of, you know, adds to how the overall mechanics of the whole world work. Yeah. Um, so uh, great watch if, if you can <laughs> stomach it. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, but there is one fantasy that stood above all the rest, and that was the Demon Slayer. Yes, the Entertainment District arc. Demon Slayer has made a return to the Best Boys Anime Awards. It was very well represented last year, um, and we're talking about it again this year. I mean, listen, it is a fantasy, technically, not an isekai. It, you know, has the elements. Um, it, just, it takes place in turn of the century uh, Japan. Mm -hmm. But uh, it's one of the best fantasies out there. And just like uh, a stellar watch top to bottom, especially this season. Um the moments leading up to the big battle were all fun and interesting and, and world building. And then you have one of the best anime battles period out there. Yeah. And that's like, saying a lot when you consider that the, one of the best, the best battle we had last year was also this show in the Mugen train arc. Yeah. I mean, and I think this battle can go toe to toe with that. Absolutely. Um, so it just absolutely a, a stellar piece of work. It's Demon Slayer. It's like it is fun. It is one of the best like shonens out there yeah. right now. Uh, there's a reason why it's so popular. Yeah, I think, and I think one of the things that really makes it stand out this season in particular is that it stands in juxtaposition to the first season 
where we had this kind of story that takes place in a secluded area, right? So we, it's mostly in the mountains, it's in the woods, um, it's in the areas where the demon slayers do their training and their exams and all that stuff. It doesn't take place in where like society at large is, is kind of concentrated. But in this case, it takes place in an entertainment district, which is a nice way to say like a red light district, right? Um so this is in a city, you know, we have electric lights, there are cars, um, they're early cars, but they're still cars, um, and it's... And it's also great to see Inosuke in this world. Inosuke, yeah, in particular is hilarious in this world, because, <laughs> you know, first of all, in within the first two episodes, we see him dressed as a woman, which is great, um, highly recommend, um, but also, like, just his reactions to to everything modern in the world and like all of the people around him is just funny to watch it's like it's like when you watch like a um like kind of like a wild animal in like a domesticated situation it's very funny um but all that comedy kind of leads you it kind of lulls you into a uh, basically like a state of where you're not expecting what happens next which is this explosive expansive uh, battle that takes place and it's it's kind of a running battle right so it has like little skirmishes and flare-ups and like um moments where it kind of dies down and then it ramps back up again until you have the final like three or four episodes that are just wall-to-wall action and it's incredible and really well done yeah um a great show (laughs) again one of those ones that it's like if you're not watching it like there's something for everyone with this one. You should you should definitely check it out. Absolutely. Um, our next category, we actually it's funny because we were when we were putting together the categories for this awards show, we were like, we're not gonna. There wasn't much drama this year. We're not gonna do a best drama. And then we looked at the list for like 20 minutes, and we were like, yeah, we're gonna have to do a best drama again. We we need to do it um, because yeah. the, we did have a couple dramas that were maybe not as huge. Um, this year but like when you think about them as a drama they suddenly come to life right so oh for sure um the first one that we have here um is uh yakuza's guide to babysitting as our honorable mention and this one is actually a pretty standard drama and it's really more of a family drama right so you have um the, the this family and when I say family, I do mean it in the extended sense of, like, a mafia family, right? So you have a Yakuza family. And the main character is this kind of, um, he's like a, a machine, right? He's a he's a killing machine, right? So, like, he's the guy that they go to when they need someone to, like, to bust heads and stuff. And he's, like, super violent and he doesn't care about anything else and he's basically like a wild animal and the the head of the yakuza family um the way he chooses to deal with this is to have him to assign him the job of taking care of his daughter right so his daughter had been living with their aunt because you know his wife was in is in a coma and you know his daughter isn't really dealing with that well because how she's a child makes sense right um, but she's basically kind of withdrawn into herself also. And um, it's kind of, it's really interesting to watch the way in which these 
they these two people who are kind of broken as people by completely different circumstances um, heal each other, right? So they they kind of taking care of this young child unlocks something within um, the main character who is not used to thinking about things other than violence, right? So it allows him to access the world in a way that he's not used to. Um, and, you know, by the same token, you have this, um, you have the daughter who is almost being forced to acknowledge um, her own emotions regarding the things that are going on around her. Um, and it, it allows her to kind of heal this wound that her her mother being in a coma has kind of opened up within her. Um, and I think that this, as far as this story goes, um, as a drama, you know, it, it doesn't, it doesn't ever get too heavy. There are a lot of like really funny comedic moments, um, but it has a really dramatic and interesting story to tell. Um, and it does so in a way that doesn't feel heavy handed. You know, it doesn't feel like you're being like spoon fed a, a sob story, you know? Um, which is a thing that a lot of dramas kind of tend to do and it, it gets old after a while. But I think that's the reason why it was worth talking about this show in particular uh, within the framework of a drama. Um, so definitely check this one out. Um, it's worth your time if you're into this kind of drama. Um, if you're looking for a very adorable must protect characters, you got that in this little girl. Um, she's uh, super cute. She's funny. She kind of reminds me a lot of like Kana from um dragon maid um so yeah that's uh definitely got that going for it as well um but next up we're going to talk about a very different kind of drama um and that is our runner-up for the best drama category which is raven of the inner palace um, could not be more different settings yeah completely wildly different this one takes place in like a fictional version of uh ancient china it is a it's a historical drama kind of deal in a, in a way. It's a historical fantasy drama. It's weird because it doesn't. It's not. It's not telling a, like an actual like Chinese it's history a, story. It's a fictional history drama. Yeah, it's weird. It's fun. So basically, the way it works, the way what this show is about, um, if if just a quick down and dirty version of like ancient Chinese lore. You have uh, an emperor and he has like a court. There's a very intricate court and palace system. And basically the emperor has a number of consorts, which are like official. They're not his wives. They are, you know, concubines, basically. Um, but they are elevated to like a very high uh, status of um, of power kind of within within the inner court. But in this setting, there is one consort who does not have to perform, quote unquote, nighttime duties for the emperor. Right. Um, and that is the raven consort. And the raven consort is like a, basically like a sorceress. And she kind of has a status that is, exists outside of the normal framework of the inner palace, wherein she doesn't necessarily have to show deference or even ever talk to the emperor um, and she lives in a very secluded palace and she has no retainers. She doesn't have any ladies in waiting. Um, she doesn't participate in normal court activities. Um, and basically this story centers around a young girl. Uh, I think she's uh, she's 16 and she is the raven consort. And there is a new emperor in town 
Um, basically, there's like a kind of revolution where this emperor who is this empress who is evil and she kills her way to the throne is dethroned by like the rightful heir or whatever. Um, so like the empire is in a state of, of like massive change. Um, and he actually comes across the Raven consort um, when he is looking to solve a kind of, of ghostly problem. Like she this is it, it is a drama, but also at its core, it is also a mystery show. So like it, it does like a lot of like ghost story mysteries where you, the the Raven Consort has to find out the it's got a lot going on yeah the Raven Consort has to find out the story behind um, why a person's ghost is like haunting a particular thing um, that's a common theme in this show um, but the the um, the interpersonal relationship between her and the emperor and also the people who tend who who end up gathering around them as a result of their kind of the the way they've become close in a way that they're not really supposed to so like it's not it, it's always said that the raven consort should not keep uh retainers the raven consort should not you know be in contact with the emperor um because of reasons that come out throughout as the show goes on um but as a result of this, uh, you get this kind of very interesting story between a ruler and like a, a, a sorcerer um, living within this framework of a, a fictionalized ancient China. Um, so I thought that was a really as a drama, um, it is an interesting show to consider. If And if, if anything, if you're interested at all in like you know, historical dramas or this kind of like, you know, paranormal, magical, sorcery kind of deal. Um, this is one that's going to be pretty interesting for you. Again, like um, uh, like Yakuza's Guide to Babysitting, it's not too heavy handed. It has its very heavy moments, but like also it has a little bit of comedy. I would say it's not quite as funny as Yakuza's Guide to Babysitting, but it does have much deeper lore and a very interesting setting if you're into that kind of thing. Um so definitely give it a chance if you're if you're if you're a drama head. Um, yeah, uh, and I think it's interesting because we're gonna go again to another completely different setting. Absolutely, this uh, is we are that, we are skipping that way setting ahead. Is Night City. Yes. Um, the the winner uh, of best drama is Cyberpunk Edge Runners because at its core it really is a, a drama story. Um, and it's, huh, Trigger is known for its shows a lot because of its animation, but also at its core, they tell really good original stories. Yeah. And this was a really, I don't, compelling story at the very least. Um, <clears throat> I, I guess like it's it's weird because maybe I don't necessarily like the story because I maybe don't like David, <laughs> yeah. but I I think it is a very good story. Yeah, it is uh, very I good. Think those are th- separate things, and it is it is highly dramatic at times. Oh yeah. Um, one of the funny. Okay, so there's a, a a very very dramatic moment. Dan, do you remember the the part the point at which? Um, they're kind of having a moment between Maine and David and Maine is like, this is the end of the line for me. Like speed is your thing. Go do your thing. Right. 
Um, very dramatic, high tension. Um, it is a it is a crazy part of the story. And I saw a <laughs> a meme where it is that scene, but the people are labeled um, like the 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 kind of um, the setting is given as like when when the uh, the sixty pound pit bull named Sniffles breaks her way onto the <laughs> onto the playground, and then Maine is labeled as. <laughs> Um, the big kid, and then David is labeled as the fast kid, and he's like, this is the end of the line for me. <laughs> I thought, like, that was a really fun way of taking a, a, a hyper-dramatic moment and making it very funny, uh, but that's unrelated. I just, I don't know why I felt like telling that story, but um, as a drama, yeah, you're not really gonna end up liking David in this story because he tells, he, he basically is the stand-in for a character who makes all the wrong choices, right? He's the tragic hero. He is a tragic hero. Except the tragedy is self-inflicted. And in in a way, it's it, part of the drama is that he is being given so many ways to live in this world and instead chooses the path that leads him to ruin. Um and it, it becomes it becomes not a question of whether or not he is going to fail. But how many people around him is he going to take with him? Um, and that's a tough story to tell. It's very dramatic. It's very uh, sad at times. Um, it, and I think as a drama, because we didn't originally consider this as a drama. And then I think it, you brought it up. You were like, hey, you know, best drama. What about cyberpunk? And we sat down and we thought about it as a drama. Um, this show really works. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it, it is, it is a show about you know broken dreams, um, and like having them just within your reach, um, but but never being able to grasp them. It, it's, um, it, it's the underdog story where the underdog doesn't win. Like it is drama through and through when you really think about it and it it's done well like this is this is what trigger does they tell deeply emotional stories in a very very specific art style yeah um i think it's also like (laughs) funny when you consider this show in other categories because the other place where it would really fit would be as if we had a worst romance category because oh god they are codependent (laughs) Oh my god, everything is every relationship is awful. This is the this is the show where all of the worst relationships are showcased. Um but yeah, the the drama in this show is really it's it's next level. Um and I think the, as as soon as you mentioned Cyberpunk Edge Runners when we were talking about drama, I knew. I was like, "Oh god, here we go. This is the winner." <laughs> yeah, it kind of came out of nowhere, yeah. but it it makes sense. Absolutely. Um, anything else you wanted to talk about for cyberpunk before we move on? Nope. I think I'm ready to talk about best slice of life. Yeah. And now for something completely different. (laughs) Um, (laughs) yeah. Best slice of life. As you guys know, I'm the slice of life senpai. This is my, this is the thing that I love. I love slice of life anime. Um, and we had a pretty good selection of it this year. Um, up first for our honorable mentions, let's talk about Akebi's sailor uniform. Um, because this show kind of came out of nowhere. There is a manga for it, but I had never seen anything about it. Um, and this show as a slice of life is just really, 
uh, it's kind of different. It's not a romance story. Um, it doesn't have any of that element to it. It's just a kind of the story of this girl, and she just really wants to wear a sailor uniform because she saw an idol when she was young who wears a sailor uniform, and that's just, you know, that's the thing that she wants to do. And it kind of leads her um, to making friends and opening up and expanding her world and kind of embracing her own potential uh, as a, a fully realized and actualized human being. Um, and I think that the way that they tell this story, the day-to-day life of this girl um, who is, you know, she lives out in the country. She's in the boondocks. This isn't a story that takes place in the middle of Tokyo. Um, and the way that she interacts with her classmates um, I know I said this wasn't a romance story, and it's not, but everyone in her class is in love with her by the end of the show. Um, <laughs> she is definitely, like, the mascot of her class um, for a reason that I'm not going to give away because it'll change the story for you, but you should watch it to find out. Um, and I just thought, as a slice of life, this show, uh, it might not be, it might not be like, breaking any barriers. Spoiler alert, it doesn't win anime of the year. But it's just a really interesting way to tell a slice of life where it's it's both more and less than a story that just tells every single day in a person's life. Right. It, it, it doesn't have this kind of lofty philosophical kind of um, message that some other slice of life shows have like a DIY Um, But it also is not just a simple little brainless kind of show that's just about, you know, nothing that really matters. Like, it it does talk about things that are relatable to people's lives. It's just not, they're not earth shattering things, right? It it talks about how we make friends. It talks about how we present ourselves to the world, how we, um, how we, we, there are some things that you just, you, you won't compromise on and that you want to to have your life be a certain way and you just, you just go after it, you know? Um, and I think in that regard, as a slice of life, a Kebby sailor uniform, definitely when we talk about best slice of life belongs in the conversation. So that's why we're here um, talking about it in uh, as an honorable mention. Yeah. Um, and I think uh, that leads in nicely to the runner up, which is going to be Komi-san. Mm-hmm. Can't communicate. Shocker, not the winner. I know. The, the, is, and there's a better slice of life than Komi-san. Any, anybody who's been following the show for an extended period of time and knows how we feel about Komi-san is definitely is on the floor right now thinking about how could like where do we go wrong? How did we screw up so badly? That Komi-san's not the winner, and the answer is that it's 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 not that anyone screwed up. Komi Komi-san can't be, can't communicate is a fantastic slice of life. Um, Great show. It is one of the best shows we've had this year. Uh, I it's the show probably I was the most excited for moving into um, 2022, except for maybe you know Mobile Suit Gundam, which from Mercury, um, and it delivered. You know, the show the show was really good. We had two cores. Um, the first core, I think, was much stronger than the second, but that's not saying anything against the second. Um, I think maybe I was just the, the, the excitement well, the factor first was core, there. The first core was in uh, last year, too, right? Yeah, it was at the tail end of last year, I believe. Um, yeah. 
So only the second core was up for contention this year. Yeah. And, you know, this show, if, you, if you're not familiar with it, 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 it is also a, a show about making friends and, like, you know, those kind of formative high school years. But it's done in a much different way than a Kebby's Sailor uniform. Um, in this case, you have a main character, Komi-san, who is learning how to live her life with, you know, uh, not being able to communicate due to extreme social anxiety, right? Um, and I think the strongest thing about this show is its core of characters, right? So the way that you tell this kind of slice of life story with a different set of, like you have your core main characters, right? You have Tadano and you have Komi-san. But then around them, you have a set of side characters who are interchangeable and like the way that they interact with both the main two characters, but also each other. You put them in different configurations. That's how the story is kind of told and moved forward. You know, um, what do you think? Uh, what are your thoughts on Comey Can't Communicate Best Boy Dan? I mean, I, I, Comey is one of my favorite stories out there. Um I think the only thing that held it from being in the top slot was that this particular part of the story is uh, not not as exciting as the first core, right? Where you're kind of like first seeing these characters and like really seeing what a wonderful like uh, adaptation we have of this. And it's just kind of more progression of the story. The story kind of picks up a lot more after i think this season and i'm looking forward to the future of of where we're gonna go with this show absolutely you know this show is definitely um it's one that has been highly anticipated by many in the um you know in the anime community it won for us so the first core i'm just looking at it now for last year won best comedy um and um, we had some other categories for the various characters that also won. Um, but, you know, it's... Najimi won. Yeah, Najimi won. Um, it, it had very good I think anime. it was... It was, like, in the top anime, too, right? Yes, it did also... It did also um, place in anime of the year as well. Um, but, you know, it's... It's... it's, it's it, One of those shows that we had been anticipating for so long and and it, it it's finally here and that moment for us was like huge you know and i'm really glad we got yeah. it um and i'm really excited to see more um because this yeah. show is phenomenal um but yeah, with all there's a lot of good stuff to come yeah with all of that high praise that we just gave with all of that you know um lofty kind of expressions we use talking about uh comey can't communicate we have to talk about our winner for best slice of life this year, and that is another show that we had just recently discussed on the uh, on on the pod. Do it yourself. Do it yourself. Yes, do it yourself. Um, this show completely knocks it out of the park, and just you know, oh my god! For those of you, for those of you who who did listen to our our last episode, the seasonal spotlights, um, we have now the benefit of having seen you know, the, the last couple episodes of the show. And I can tell you, it does not falter at all. The show as a slice of life is so well represented. It's got this really nice core cast of characters who work well together. Um, the animation is gorgeous. The setting is really interesting. Um, and it, it really fires on all cylinders. 
like it, it is you know and and I'm sure we'll talk about it more later too it is it just such a unique piece of art it it to me evokes a lot of like Isaacan feelings yeah um get your hands off Isaacan which was one of our favorite shows from I believe 2020 right yeah it was either 2020 or yeah, 2019. And, and it, it kind of hits a lot of those same notes where you just have this wonderful cast of characters being brought to life in this kind of um, really real um, way in this really unique and interesting world. And it, it just like is all of the best things of Slice of Life. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, I'm not going to go, I'm not going to get as in-depth as I was in the last uh, episode, but if you want to hear more about it, definitely check out that Seasonal Spotlights episode. Um, it has a, it has a very deep story to tell um, philosophically as well. Um, it's not just like, hey, these are some cute girls building a thing. Like, it kind of gets into a lot of really interesting philosophical questions um, that are, are, are there if you want them, but also if all you want is cute girls building a thing. Hey, you got it. Like it's there. It's got layers. Yeah. All of the characters are adorable. They're all really well done. They, they're well fleshed out. They have their own, uh, interesting sets of motivations and ways that they view the world. Um, the music in the show is great. The, the 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 show is just you know it is your almost your platonic ideal of what you want in a slice of life show um when when it first came out we were basically envisioning like yuru camp but with power tools and we weren't necessarily too wrong about that um <laughs> it gets the job done it does its thing um so yeah diy do it yourself check it out um, um before- yeah so with that said, uh, I think we can transition into best sci-fi, um, which there's really only two that we want to talk about this year, but they are absolute standouts. Uh, I would be surprised if you couldn't guess what they both were, but up first, probably not what you're expecting from the best boys, our runner-up is Mobile Suit Gundam, which from Mercury. <gasps> Shocker! Best boy Justin, how could you let this happen? It's your fault. It is my fault, but I think there's arguments to be made. <laughs> yeah, um, but um, as far as Mobile Suit Gundam, which from Mercury is concerned, um, you know we we don't have a mecha category this year. Last year we had a lot of mecha shows. This year, not so many, so it didn't warrant its own category. Um, but as a sci-fi show. Uh, Witch from Mercury does a really interesting job of basically, you know, because it doesn't take place in one of the established Gundam universes, um, it does a good job of building its own world. Um, And it does so in kind of this way that um, the main character, who is also not really part of this world, um, she's a part of the world. She's it's not an isekai. She doesn't come from another reality. But like (laughs) she's she's not used to the place where she is now, which is where we're getting our world building from. Um, and that's done in a really interesting it's, way. It's like a fish out of water thing. Yeah. She's from kind of like this, you know, poor planet, uh, Mercury, uh, and she's going to this like hoity toity school. Yeah. And she's basically, um, you know, she's, she's got to kind of learn about the world as we also learn about it, but approaching it from a sci-fi perspective, um, you have this really kind of interesting, 
uh, interplay that is somewhat new to the Gundam franchise where you have this kind of um, corporatocracy, right? You kind of have it a little bit in IBO, but it is like on full display in um, Witch from Mercury, where basically the government is a, a collection of corporations, right? Um, which is a, a common theme in sci-fi. So like you have the far future, um, you've got space travel, you've got giant robots, and hey, guess what? Uh, capitalism ruined everything. But um, Shocker. I know, right? Um, but as a sci-fi show, you have to think about, you know, what are some of the hallmarks that we have when it comes to sci-fi? So you've got like, you know, your futuristic appliances. So you've got your like your little cell phone in your pocket that does everything a supercomputer can do now, um, including like make interstellar phone calls, which is pretty cool. Um, but then you also, of course, it's a Gundam show. You have giant robots. Um, and the way that they kind of make the... Um, the way that they kind of make this show, the the technology in this show stand out is done in a really interesting way. So, like, basically, uh, in this setting, Gundams are outlawed because that is the name that was given to a set of technology that basically um, people who used it had their lifespan shortened because it was like a way of, like, deeply connecting with the machine using your brain and, like, it put a lot of stress on your, your, your neurons and it would kill you, right? So... You, you have this technology that's kind of lagging behind the band, the quote-unquote band technology that is like Gundam, right? Um, and that's kind of where this story gets its uh, its kind of sci-fi elements from. Oh, yeah. That and the whole like kind of futuristic like space, you know, colony thing. And um, it, it's, you know, it's a Gundam. It's sci-fi. It's great. Uh, this show... I think even for non-Gundam fans is really stand out. Uh, the characters are really engaging and, um, you know, they they set it in a school. So there's kind of like this kind of pre-set up way to get your, you know, big robot battles in. Um, the way it, it, that is kind of a pretense for a much larger story. Yeah. Um, and the way they kind of expand the world out from there, including these like kind of like capitalistic organizations um, and like giant economic and governmental structure uh, is really interesting and, yeah. and very Gundam in, in in that kind of storytelling. Yeah, you will you will um, hear people try to dismiss this show by going, oh, I don't want to watch Gundam High School. That's dumb. Don't listen to those people. They're not paying attention. Um this this show is a Gundam show, and it's going to do the things that Gundam shows do. And if you haven't, you if you are familiar with Gundam and you are you are watching it in good faith and paying attention, you will notice what's going on and what it's leading up to. Um, and that's all I'm going to say. I don't want to give away too too much. Um, but yeah, this show is definitely you know approachable for non Gundam viewers as well. Um, it is kind of a, a really good entry point. Again, like I said, it doesn't take place in any of the established Gundam timelines. So you can come into it like uh, Best Boy Jamie did, not really knowing anything about Gundam beforehand, um, and just enjoy the show for what it is. Oh, yeah. Um, it, it's 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 a good show and a really good OP. Like, I got to give Yasubi credit. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I feel like we're probably going to hear more about that a little later. 
Oh, foreshadowing. Yeah. So, with that said, Gundam, great. What could possibly be better? The answer, Cyberpunk Headrunners. That's right. Cyberpunk dethroned Gundam for best sci-fi. According to you. Uh... <laughs> How do you feel about this, Best Boy Justin? Um, I don't know. I, I still I feel like it because it's it, the category is sci-fi. Um, that is why Cyberpunk Edge Runners wins. Um, because we don't have we don't have like a best specific mecha category this year. Um, Absolutely. I think as a as uh, a cyberpunk story, you know this this is kind of telling a very different sci-fi story than Witch of Mercury is. Yeah, and and kind of the core conceit of cyberpunk is its sci-fi-ness, right? Like, its identity is almost being sci-fi. Um, every element of this show is is a sci-fi show through and through, from body modification to technology to just kind of bits and pieces of the world and elements they live in. It's it's just dripping sci-fi and it nails it right like if i if someone asked me like hey i'm super into sci-fi i want to watch a recent anime what should i watch i'm going to point them towards cyberpunk yeah i mean you know it literally it has cyberpunk in the name um it is a very interesting way distillation of the cyberpunk subgenre that is presented via the the medium that is anime um, I think one of the, the, the places in which it really shines um, are the ways that where it kind of shows how technology has affected the world. You know, um, it, it, it's not just necessarily about the technology itself. It, it tells us about how, um, you know, what does it mean to have a world where you can experience the 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 height of like endorphins just by putting a chip in your in your in your brain right um what does it mean to be able to move and think faster than anyone else because you have the best gear um that you that you have like modified your body for you know um it's an interesting way to answer these questions about what technology does to society and i think that's one of the one of the core elements of what a sci-fi show um, is is known for, you know, it's not just talking about like, oh, look at all this futuristic stuff. It's also exploring what it means to have access to that technology. Yeah, and at the core element of it, it's it's answering that question. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I think as a sci-fi show, Cyberpunk Edge Runners um, is is definitely doing doing the the things that. You would want to see, you know, a show that is thinking about the the future, um, uh, do you know? It's definitely it's 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 approaching things in a direction that is asking and answering interesting questions. Up next, we have best sports anime, and there were really only two that stood out this year for us. Uh, first up, we have. Salary Man's Club, which is not the first badminton's anime it's... that uh, <laughs> that has been out there. Uh, it's one of the less sweaty ones. Yeah, so like it's it's definitely <laughs> it's different from your regular sports anime, especially with regards to the fact that it's not it doesn't take place in high school. Um, the characters are all working adults. Um, 
they're on their company's badminton team. But that doesn't mean it's any less hype. The The stakes are extremely high. Um, you know, obviously, it, it's a sports anime, so it can't be kind of just like a laid-back, chill kind of deal. It's got to be hype, right? You got these oh, yeah. these characters making these impossible shots, and the Sakuga is incredible. Um, but also, you kind of get these, these like, stories of being a working adult and what does it mean to be, you know, to work, be working in society. Um, and also like it, it's different because, because you don't have the framework of a high school. Um, the show is kind of unique in the way that it's laid out. Um, it, it does still kind of, you, you still get like your rivals obviously. Cause instead of having rival high schools, you have rival companies, so like you have, I do love that structure of it. The having the like, uh, rather than the high schools having it be like the um, different companies because you, it ties into with like kind of the corporate culture. Yeah, um, that you get to. So like, I I would say that in terms of like shows this is the best slice of life show centered around adults also <laughs> it's interesting that you say um, that because the latter half of the season also could be a contender for best drama as well because the last half of the season gets incredibly dramatic um in an interesting yeah. way um so like this show kind of it, oh. it's got a lot going on you know yeah and all within the context of being a sports anime, like it hits all the tropes of it, and you know the best boys know their sports anime. Oh yeah, their sports anime. Oh absolutely. And here, here's a little spoiler alert for next season. I discovered a sports anime that I am kicking myself for having never seen before. Um, so keep an eye out for that. I'm excited to watch this actually. Yeah, but um, um, as far as salary, I think that as far as salary man's club goes, um, the 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 kind of the the interesting way that it draws these parallels is that like you have like the, the the top rival um company is the bank right obviously this, it's this big bank it has all the money it has all the best gear um and it has the ability to hire people just to play badminton right um because apparently badminton is that important um and the main character used to work at this bank but because he wasn't you know he he, he has you know some kind of issues with badminton he gets fired because he can't perform, right? Um, and he ends up working at a company where he actually has to learn how to work because, like, he, as the the um, you know the the other main character, the the kind of his mentor tells him he's got to learn how to become a battery man, which is a a salary man who plays badminton and has to balance those yeah. kind of uh, competing. <laughs> Um, priorities, you know, he has to learn Which how to is be my goal in life. Yeah, he has to he has to learn how to not just be a, a better badminton player, but also be good at his job. Yeah, and he and he learns those lessons, and it's kind of lovely. It is. It's kind of an interesting coming of age story that's being told not within a high school framework, which is something I'm always interested in finding. Um, for sure. But I think it's time for us to talk about Best Boy Dan, the best sports anime of the year. The winner, the height of sports action. Uh, do you know what? And like, it could really only be one. Yeah, there's like only there. There's been a lot of like talk about it on the internet, um, especially with like 
you know, the goings on in sports around the world and all that sort of stuff. Um, but specifically, everyone knows that the best sports anime of the year is Fanfare of Adolescence, the the horse anime. Yep, it's time for gay stuff at horse school, y'all. <laughs> Yay! Just kidding, it's Blue Lock. Of course it's Blue Lock. It's Blue Lock. It was always going to be Blue Lock. It's always been Blue Lock. Um, Blue Lock is great. <laughs> what what <laughs> like, fantastic timing, too, coming out in the World Cup year, a year where Japan, even though they didn't win, they got further than they than they than they usually do. They had a really intense showing at the World Cup. Um, incredible. Yeah, it's it it knows sports anime, and it does all of the things you want from a good sports anime. And then it knows Shonen and it says, we're going to take the things that like Shonen typically like holds dear and completely spin it on its head. Yeah. Right. Like it, it's like F the power of friendship, (laughs) you know? Yeah. It's all about, you know, yourself and being egotistical. It's, it, it, knows the tropes and deftly dodges them. Yeah, this is not your high cue. Flips them around. You know, this isn't this isn't high cue. This isn't um you know, kind of these these shows. This isn't world this isn't uh, Ace of Diamond, right? This is about the main character who has to win at any cost, right? He can't he can't afford to 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 like feel bad for his opponent and empathize with them like you have to win or you go home that's it those are the only two options um and i like that i like how the show never compromises on that you know like it doesn't matter if someone on your team is helping the other team it doesn't matter if um you know if you're hurt it doesn't matter if you know you 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 play a certain way and you can't do it with your with your current team like if you don't perform you got to go um, and I think yeah. that's one of the things that really heightens the, the, the intensity of this show. And, and it does what I need a good sports anime to do, which is get me hype. Like this was the show this season that I was like, I have to watch this week to week because I need to see what happens next. Right. Like the moments of actual sports that they're playing, like I'll be honest, I don't really care about sports. I especially don't care about soccer. This show made me interested in it. Yeah, absolutely. And I think one of one of the things um you know, when I when I had first heard about this show, it was it was from somebody uh, it was from Geo on our our anime podcast um who was talking about cuz uh, he had read the manga um and the way that this show kind of evolves cuz it doesn't start off with like really intense sakuga um, it, it, or like crazy special moves, but it grows into that, right? With the character kind of unlocking the uh, unlocking things about his abilities as the show goes on, as he is being like forced to evolve his his way of thinking about soccer um, through this kind of competition, um, you start to see more more elements of Sakuga being incorporated. Um, you know, his own special powers being kind of developed and honed um, throughout the show. And I think that is a, a really incredible way of approaching your your kind of prototypical sports anime, you know? Yeah. Um, this is just like, 
if you need a sports anime fix, if you if you like any of those kinds of shows, check this out. You're not going to be disappointed. It's uh, I can't wait for more of it. Absolutely. Um, and I think with that being said, it's time for us to move on to our next category. Um, and this time we have best music anime. This is a new category for the show. Um, because typically when you think of music anime, you've got your, your idol shows, right? Which is something that we've been very open about the fact that we don't really watch. Um, but this year we've got some music centered shows that have nothing to do with idols really. Um, so best boy, Dan, why don't you take us through our runner up for this category? Yeah. Um, so our runner up is your boy Kong Ming and this show kind of came out of nowhere this is a another high dive exclusive um which i hope you guys are paying attention because high dive is here <laughs> a lot so it may be worth paying attention to this will be on the test yeah <laughs> <laughs> um but like just this premise of this like you know chinese military tactician uh being reincarnated to be the like uh manager for a you know, pop singer or pop EDM, like club singer, uh, to bring peace to the world, like through, you know, kind of military tactician ways is just a bonkers idea. And it just nails the execution in terms of, uh, music anime. The show is great. The, the songs are great. Yeah. Um, it, it, you know, there's rap, um, there's, you know, pop, there's EDM, there's all sorts of things to jam out to. And the OP is a banger. One of my favorites this season, for sure. Yeah, I, I actually, I almost skipped over this show because um, it kind of, on the surface, it seems like it's going to do this thing that always annoys me, which is when people, so like, I hate it I whenever in the business world or in, you know, whatever, where people try to apply like things like the art of war, how the art of war will help you succeed in business. And it's like, dude, like 80% of the art of war is talking about like just really specific, like, like Chinese battle conditions that have nothing to do with like business or music or whatever. Like, you know, it, it, it's, it's, it's this idea that this cottage industry has kind of come about, of applying ancient listen, philosophy listen. to modern life. I make I make all of my investment decisions based on easterly winds and Mongolian horse. Exactly. So like like the, the, the this industry that's sprung up about like applying ancient philosophies to modern life is something that I have like a a, 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 a chip on my shoulder about. But so I almost skipped this one, but I'm glad I didn't because the way it does kind of it, it does that in a tongue-in-cheek kind of way, right? Because, like, he'll come up with this, like, really lofty, like, he'll tell a story about, like, oh, when, when I was, you know, in this battle, I had to do this. And then he ends up, like, applying it in a very silly, unexpected way to modern life. So it kind of almost turns that concept on its head. is saying, like, like oh, like, yeah, like, I'm using this, this as a framework, but it actually is completely different and doesn't have anything to do with, like, fighting a battle in a valley when it's raining, you know? Um... So I think uh, I think in in that regard the show is is kind of subverting expectations, and like you said, the music in the show is phenomenal. Like we're talking about it in the context of a music anime, and um, you know all of the songs hit, especially like her her very for the 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 the, the main character singing is absolutely gorgeous. Her voice is phenomenal, 
Um, and I, you know, was, was kind of definitely taken aback by that, uh, by how good the music was in this show. Yeah. And, and kind of the last thing I want to say about it too, is that all of the characters in it are great. Kong Ming's great. Aiko's great. Um, kind of everyone they meet. Oh, the manager, the, the manager who's like obsessed with like the three kingdoms, like lore and like, you know, fully like believes in Kong Ming to, you know, the DJ who like remixes her album to her like, you know, enemies, Azalea, like it, it's it's all oh, great characters. And don't don't forget the rapper. The rapper, he gets a really oh. interesting backstory as well. Um he's so good. Yeah, her Yeah, he gets like a really well fleshed out story. Yeah. And I think between between this show and and Raven of the Inner Palace, I really want to play Dynasty Warriors all of a sudden. <laughs> yeah, a lot of vibes. Yeah. But with all that said, there is one music show that's better and you know, I, I feel I, like the show seems seems pretty good. It's Bochi the Rock. It's Bochi the Rock. It's back again cuz I foreshadowed that and if you were paying attention, you knew it would come back. Bochi the Rock, so best music anime. Re- recording this, the album of Kesuko Band, the band from the show, actually dropped yesterday. And all of the voice actresses are the members of the band. Um, they sing on it. And it's great. It's so good. Yeah, this this show was going to... is It was destined to win Best Music Anime. Like, because I, I generally... I'm not... Uh, you know, Best Boy Dan listens to a lot of anime music, right? Like, you in your regular life. Um... I don't really. I you know, I generally when I'm at work, I don't listen to to anime music. I might occasionally throw on a really good like soundtrack if it works for me, but like I'm generally a podcast kind of guy. I don't I don't listen to music at work. I have been listening to the soundtrack for Bochi the Rock on repeat at work uh, all week. Um it is so phenomenal. Yeah. And and the way that it works it into the show is great. It's all natural. Um, you know, it is within the context of the show. It is, you know, through and through when you if you want to see a music anime, this is an easy one to recommend because, you know, it, it's it strikes a lot of the same chords as um Carolyn Tuesday, where it's just like top to bottom good story good music yeah and i think one of the good things about the music too and this is something that you touched on when we spoke about this anime uh, in our seasonal spotlights episode is that in the show they play the songs to the ability where they're at in the show's story right Mm -hmm. but when you listen to the soundtrack and you hear the finished polished versions of these songs they're so good they like not not that the songs in the show aren't good the the songs in the show are really phenomenal but they are like completely heightened when you listen to the full song, you know. Yeah. And you like get to fully mastered. and you get to see the ways in which they changed it for the show in order for it to have a proper place within the narrative. Um, it also tells a really interesting story, and this is something I had actually learned a little bit about um, in the past, just out of curiosity um, of how these kind of live houses work in japan uh, when it comes to like underground or not even underground but just like like non um commercial music right so like it's presented in a kind of cheery way in the show of course because the show is 
it is at its core about a, a group of cute girls making music. It's not a it's not an indictment of the music industry in Japan. But like the the way that these kind of live houses operate is a little is is heavily manipulative, um, and it is is it kind of relies on musicians to take all of the, um, all of the financial risks upon themselves, while basically the venues um, benefit in a way that is not entirely ethical but i'm not going to get too deep into it but it was something that i thought was interesting and if that's a, a topic you're interested in you'll see some shades of it in the show as well yeah for sure um but yeah i think do you have anything else you want to say about uh, bochi the rock last time we're going to talk about it today best buddy uh no that's it that's all i have to say about bochi the rock from here on out all right good so we got bochi the rock out of the way we're done with it for the day and with bochi done and wrapped that means that we can move on to our superlative section in which we are going to kick off with uh the best action anime of the year um our honorable mention goes to chainsaw man surprisingly how could the the blessing bestowed upon the masses that is chainsaw man only place as an honorable mention well this is the action category it's a great show top to bottom there were shows that had a little bit better action in it i would say yeah um but i did like what they did yeah, I feel like, you know, this also a, a big reason for this is that the, the parts of the show that we've gotten so far, um, a lot of it has been dedicated to kind of building up to where we are now, which is, you know, getting Denji established within the Public Security Bureau and like getting him to start learning more about his powers and stuff. And I think that's probably why I feel like... <laughs> You know, if we when we get more Chainsaw Man, it hasn't been announced yet, but I'm sure we'll have more. Whatever the next iteration of it, we'll probably take the take this category in whatever awards year it comes out in. But, um, you know, let's talk a little bit about some of the action in Chainsaw Man. Um, I think it's it's done really well. It's, uh, you know, it kind of approaches battles in a way that. is somewhat unique right so like you have a character like denji who um is still learning about his powers right and i think one of one of the sequences that really sticks out to me as far as an action sequence is concerned is when he's fighting the eternity demon and he's basically discovered a way to turn himself into a perpetual motion machine right um, mm-hmm. I think that's a kind of a unique and interesting way to approach like kind of power scaling in this world. What do you think about some of the some of the action in this show, Best Boy Dan? Yeah, it, it's. I, I think you're right. There's definitely some better action to come down the road. Um, definitely some some crazy scale battles. Um, but this is the start of the story and like the action isn't the you know thing that they're hammering home the hardest and the times that they do have it are are great like i think i really do enjoy the animation for the uh fight with the katana devil um i think the stuff on the train was like really cool um it's it's an interesting character too, right? Like it's hard to have 
you know, intricate kind of combat moments when you have giant chainsaw wielding arms. Um, and, and I think that the way that they choose to animate it uh, is really good. It, it still gives a suspense to the, the fight sequences. Yeah, absolutely. And, um, you know, one of the, one of the things that, you know, it, yes, it is difficult to have intricate combat moments when you're, when you have the manual dexterity of a chainsaw, but I thought one of the <laughs> things that, that was interesting and from an act, action perspective in this show is when he learned like, oh, I can use the mechanical action of a chainsaw to propel me up something. You know, and just yeah. watching him kind of it, it's almost like watching someone learn how to walk, right? Like he's he's learning how to use the 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 chainsaws that he can manifest from his body, right? Um and this kind of comes to a head in the final battle of the season, which we're not gonna talk about in depth. But I think you know Best Boy Dan exactly what I'm talking about when I say like the him learning about how to manipulate the the chainsaws in his body. Yeah um absolutely and 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 i think uh another thing to point out too is that it's not just you know denji fighting i think that you get a lot of you know really different and interesting and unique combat abilities especially as they start to like flesh out the like more final team absolutely um i I mean i feel like so you get such an interesting set of abilities too like and they all feel different like one that i'll particularly point out is makima's ability the way it is presented and like the 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 way it is animated feels particularly sinister and interesting in in the way that like you know, it doesn't have to be like, oh, I got chainsaws coming out of my body uh, for it to be intense, you know? Yeah, it, it's it's very, like, not personal, right? Like a chainsaw to the face is like, you know, within arm's reach. It's very personal, like, but it still carries a weight to it. Yeah, it's it's almost like like the evolution of combat from like... The Napoleonic Wars to World War One, where we're going from like, oh, I'm fighting one on one with a sword to like, oh, hey, guess what? Like, I can kill you without even knowing what you look like, you know? Yeah. Um. Um. So uh, overall, a uh, great action show, but not quite as good as our runner-up, Licorice Recoil. Licorice Recoil. We're still not certain. Yeah, I think I think we kind of settled on Licorice, but I'm not 100 percent sure either. But it doesn't matter because I will flip flop between. It, it doesn't matter because the show as an action show. Listen, we we described this show as John Wick with cute anime girls, and it holds up. The thing that makes this kind of one of the best action shows we've got going on this year is the intense and also very accurate gunplay in this show. Um, you know, it, it it it's it's basically um, it's an homage to this kind of idea of like, hey, you know, you've got um, Keanu Reeves taking classes and learning how to do like, you know, close range target shooting and stuff like that, and that is kind of represented in this show. Like one of the things, like you know, we I've been rewatching portions of the various shows that we have on this list, and. Something that kind of stuck out to me that I, I guess I, I maybe I noticed but didn't like kind of think about or like whatever uh, during my first run through was kind of like the there's a very so there's a thing the way that the AK-47 as a as a you know the, the rifle is built in order to move the bolt you have to turn it in a certain way and when I noticed that in one of the scenes of this show. 
And I thought to myself, I was like, that is an incredible level of attention to detail in the action of this show, right? To, to you know, to, to show a character actually manipulating a weapon the way it's supposed to be done in real life, you know? And you just, you don't see it in anime. And even as someone who, like, doesn't, like, know that sort of stuff, it, it's obvious to me that, like, there is an attention to detail and care for how these weapons are actually used and not just like flashy anime action it's like this is proper like this is what you should expect from a battle like this exactly to a certain extent i feel like in, in a lot of anime that use guns right you have two types of guns you have a handgun right which is basically uh, a handheld cannon and then you have an assault rifle which is basically a handheld machine gun right and it's it's never you never have to worry about reloading you don't have to worry about like you know, it can shoot through everything and it, it's all powerful. But like this show does a really good job of kind of of, of taking this and it doesn't do it in a way where it, it gets so granular. It gets boring. Right. There is still you still have the awesome action sequences where, um, you know, Chisato, she can she because she has really good hearing, she can anticipate where a shot's going to land so she can like basically walk her way around the bullets Obviously, that's not real, right? But even that, oh, even that, really, yeah, I know, right? Crazy. But even that is presented in a way where it, it's like you're willing to accept it because everything else going on around it feels so organic, you know? Yeah, it's top to bottom. This is if you want like just a good like action set piece show. This is your jam. Yeah, if right if here. you liked John Wick, if you want that, but with cute anime girls, um, it's also a Yuri story. So hey, enjoy that. Um, yeah, uh, check out Liquor's um, Recoil. And as good as that was, My Hero Academia season six just had the most balls to the wall season I have seen in quite some time, uh, especially for a shonen show. This was one hell of a, a a battle this was just it was an all-out hero war yes so, um, hero versus villains war at you know full power so i gotta tell you too because like yes we also have a best fight uh category coming up soon um so like we're we're going to consider this as in a holistic action show at this point and i gotta tell you i wasn't i, I like i wasn't a hundred percent sold on my hero's position on this list until I watched the season, or not the season finale, it's the core finale. Um, it's coming back again in January. But um, this episode that most recently aired on the 24th, uh, Christmas Eve, that was when I was 100% sold on this show as the best action show of 2022. Um, because it, 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 this, it does a really good job of highlighting each individual character within action sequences that are at for this show unprecedented where you have every hero and every villain all on the same battlefield fighting you know kind of distinct and somewhat connected skirmishes within a larger war you know um and i think my hero is equipped to handle this well because a we're in season six so We've had enough time to flesh out, to some degree, each individual hero and villain, right? Um, and B, because this show has been ramping up its power scaling 
to such a degree where a battle like this is possible, you know? Yeah, it it, it is the culmination of six seasons and it the the action is just like non-stop for like what nine episodes it, yeah like you have brief interludes <laughs> where you get kind of flashbacks to like to where the main various characters are preparing and training and stuff but for the most part it is an uninterrupted war um in the hero world you know and in one of the things that kind of stands out to me is the way each character gets to shine with their abilities he- yeah. heroes and villains <laughs> And it, it and to that point, like there's a lot of great back and forth, which is like really important in uh, you know especially like fight scenes and battles and all of that. But just like in narrative storytelling, like I was on edge the whole season because you know just when you think someone is winning, the tides change and it never you know feels too forced. It 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 all makes sense with everything that they've built up for again over six seasons really absolutely and i I think you know one of the things that this show that this season of the show does most importantly and this is the the only way that this season and this sequence works as a as an action show is it establishes that hey the stakes from this point on in the show are different death is on the table people are gonna die and I think that is why you're able to do a battle, a fight, an action anime on this scale um, in a shonen show where previously this has not been done. And the only way for you to do it is to put all of the stakes on the table. And this show definitely executes in that regard. Yeah, I am so excited to see where it goes from here. Like this, this could have been the end of the show. Uh, this was like kind of a, a pinnacle moment. So I'm really excited to see what the, it has in store for us. Absolutely. And if you're excited for that, again, like I said, the second core, it's going to come back, I believe, on January 7th. Um, so keep your eyes now, open for that. Now, I would love to immediately transition from that into best fight, but we're going to mix it up a little bit. We're going to take a little left turn and we're going to go with best etchy. <laughs> yeah. This is another new category we have this year. Um, and an interesting and, one. And, and there's a lot to consider with best etchy, but I would say that um, really plot is a big concern. You want to have, you know, a good story, you know, yeah, full of a really, you know, good plot. I feel like, so you're, you know, Dan is talking a little tongue in cheek here, but we, we actually had a lot deeper discussion with this category than I, than I think anybody (laughs) would think that you would. My, my favorite part of us working through this was like, we had the list in a certain order and I disagreed with it. And Justin, like, questioned why i disagreed with it and i was like do i really have to launch and do a whole diatribe as to why this this deserves to be crowned as the best etchy and uh and i did and i guess i'll share it with all of you as well absolutely um but before we get to that we're gonna start off with our uh honorable mention which is more than a married couple but not lovers um i'm not gonna lie this show is super trashy uh 
uh, like just straight up <laughs> it's um if you have self-respect you're not going to be watching it um <laughs> i like that you as you... somebody who is watching the show said that i stand by what i said I, I believe you uh, <laughs> um but with that said underlying its trashiness um there's a really amazing art style um a pretty compelling love triangle um but definitely a really good um like waifu candidate um just uh i i I, the op and the ed are also really good it's definitely like a a very guilty pleasure show but uh, you know in terms of like all the bad etchy we had this year the harem labyrinths oh god you know don't, you know, don't even talk uh, about it. I don't want to hear it. Like, uh, there were a lot of bad etchy this year. And this one is, like, trashy, but definitely not bad. It's well-executed trash. Yeah. You know? so, so, and and I think there's a place for that. Yeah, I think, and, you know, Best Boy Dan kind of... Uh, so I'm, I'm, I I dropped this show. And it's not a... See, I've talked about it on the podcast before. I read the manga for it. It didn't do it for me. I wasn't interested in it. But I can definitely say, as far as when we're talking about, like, best etchy in a, in a show in 2022, it belongs on this list. Um, you know, e- even though I didn't like the show, I can appreciate it for what it's doing etchy-wise. Absolutely. Oh, my God. You should have... You didn't see the beach episode either. No, but I have read the chapter. I Even though I did drop this manga, I gave it way too many chances. I read so many <laughs> chapters of this manga. Let me tell you, it hits differently when it's... Uh, when there's motion. I'm sure it, I'm sure it does. Um, <laughs> um, speaking... With that said... Speaking of things that hit differently with motion... Um, we've got the runner-up, which is uh, Verme and Gold... Um, now this one, we had an interesting discussion about this one because I described this one as, uh, wholesome etchy, right? Which is a weird thing, (laughs) is a weird thing to say about a show where an ancient demon woman uses, um, intimacy with a middle schooler to fuel her mana so that she can survive. Um, explicitly yeah it is an interesting way to describe that terrifying sentence I just used Um, but it does actually have kind of a cute story in a very fucked up way and hey FBI uh, Best Boy Justin's over here I listen like I said I'm acknowledging 100% that this show is fucked up um, and it's fucked up in a way that like Call of the Night is not. Like <laughs> Call of the Night is 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 an age gap anime. This is this is if you saw what was going on in this anime in real life and you didn't call someone, you're a bad person. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> this is definitely a see something, say something moment. But but if we're just considering the etchy in this show, uh, but it, what about the butts? There are butts. There are there are butts in this show. Um, there are other things as well, and you know, as as far as Etchy goes in this show, I do think it is done in such a way because, like, you know, we, I've discussed this on the pod as well. Like, while I do enjoy some Etchy and some fan service, I generally 
do not like to be pandered to. I don't like to be like kind of typecast um, when it comes to like a show thinking about what it is that I want to see. And the only thing I want to see is boobs and butts. But like, um, I think this show does a good job of like, even though it is ridiculous and over the top at times, um, kind of knowing, no, knowing a time, place and occasion for its etchy moments. Um, and I think it, it does a pretty good job of that. And that's why it, it's the runner up here uh, for best etchy, even though it is incredibly problematic and shouldn't be watched by anyone. <laughs> Um, it is no, it is my yeah. it is in my guilty it's it's still a good show. it is it is a good show it has a good story it's interesting but like if you're if you're if you don't like to if you don't like to watch anime that is problematic then do not watch this show for sure um but a show you definitely should watch uh well yeah yeah you should watch I, the I, show I, I, I'll stand yeah, by that's that. great yeah, uh, is my dress up darling our winner? Because of course it had to be this my dress up darling. This show had the iconic, etchy moment of any show moment. during this season. <laughs> no, 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 no. I'm talking about one specific moment, and that is of course the the measuring scene, because oh yeah, the, the swimsuit the, measuring the scene. sunflower swimsuit is iconic now online which if you're online you'll know and again you should not be online because it's a bad idea but yes. if you are online and most of you are um download our podcast download our podcast first and second if you are in any anime kind of related communities circles subreddits twitter instagram whatever you have seen the marin bikini it is it has now become iconic mm-hmm yeah, it it like this defined Etchy for the year. When when we were discussing if this should be number one, my the the like one sentence that put it into perspective was the animation of when Gojo grabs Marin's waist. Yeah. And it's like just in that moment you're like, This is this is the pinnacle of Etchy. Yeah, absolutely. Um and this show, unlike what I what I said about the last one, does actually have some kind of wholesome, funny, etchy moments to it. Um, not that the other show doesn't, but it's just weird to talk about it in that context. But like, it, so it comes out swinging hard with the etchy, and it's definitely part of the show. It fits within the context of the show, which is great. It doesn't ever force feed it in there. When it has it, it's well done. Um, but it's it's also just a great show, a great comedy, a great romance, and just a really good story about two people. Yes, but lest we lest we stray too far from what this category is really about, the, at the end of the day, somebody is putting their children through college, animating Marin's boobs. That is a fact, and, and that is why this is going to win best and, etching. And that. Yeah, and that kid is going to Stanford. Oh yeah, like because t- <laughs> top notch, my dudes. Um, <laughs> so anyway, I think I think we've said everything that needs to be said about the best etchy category. And now that we can never run for political office, oh, my my sweet summer child, <laughs> that ship has sailed for me. Um, but I think it's time for us to dive back on into it with our little. Our little uh, bit of fan service and etchy out of the way. We're going right for the neck. It's going to be best fight. Best anime fight. This is going to be a a contentious category. 
Um, Best Boy Dan, do you want to give us the uh, the first um, honorable mention here? Yeah. Uh, up first, we have Cyberpunk Edge Runners not taking the category for a change. We have the fight with David and Maine versus the uh, Night City Police Department and Max Tech. And, like, this was, like, you know, cyberpunk at full action. Oh, yeah. Right. <laughs> like, the, it, when you're bringing to life a video game world and you have characters with, like, thought-out builds... And you get to see them, like, fully realized and, like, you know, animated by Trigger. Yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> like, you know, you can't go wrong. One of, the, one of the ways that I had have taken to describing this scene in this show is, like, imagine... Do you remember... You, you played Grand Theft Auto, right? Sure. You remember how intense the, the kind of fights got when you had the five full stars... Like you've got yeah. you've got the helicopters and the tanks and everything's coming after you. That's what this scene feels like, right? They're throwing everything and the kitchen sink at this battle, right? Um, yeah. So like you have, um, and you also have this height of drama in this battle as well because you have David, right? His his kind of mentor, the person that he is has learned the most from um, in this world is kind of he's gone cyber psycho and he's like he's having to at the same time he's fighting this battle against the night city police and then after that max tack which is the the squad that's specifically designed to fight cyber psychos um he's also in the midst of all of that having to process um you know his his mentor becoming a cyber psycho and that is really intense for this show yeah it's you know a great fight scene trigger trigger just knows how to how to do it absolutely um and we have another uh fight scene that also we wanted to have an honorable mention for because it was was just too good not to have uh mentioned and that's uh lycoris recoil chisito and takina versus the mercenaries in episode two and this is like this was that moment that you knew you were like oh yeah this show like they're they're like about realism they're about you know feeling like you're watching a gunfight yeah absolutely this this was the fight scene that sold me on the show um it was done so well it has a really even balance between like realism and then cool anime shit you know because like you have the you have the characters they're they're like clearing rooms and they're you know they're they're using their weapons in the way they're supposed to be used, but then also you have silly things like you know Chisato walking around the bullets because she can she has superhuman hearing, and then like you have you know the one character is dressed up as uh, what were they were they a, a bunny I don't remember like a chipmunk oh it was a something. chipmunk yeah one of the, one of the characters is dressed as a chipmunk the other one is taking cover behind just like the slim profile of a suitcase. Um, this this fight was really really cool, and it, it does a lot for the show because it it basically um, even though it's only the second episode, we get the kind of differences in philosophy between Chisato and Takina and the way they approach fighting. So like you have Takina, she takes every battle it has to be life and death, right? Whereas Chisato, her whole thing is she doesn't want to kill anybody. Um, and the way that they approach the fight, this particular fight, it it highlights the differences 
between their the way that they're approaching it and it sets that tone for the show um but this this the, this fight it has so much going for it because also the soundtrack for this fight um kind of is is just really intense like the soundtrack for the show in general is really good but this particular fight scene is scored so perfectly um it, it's it's what reminded me of how good the music in this show is um when i was going back to look at it for the for the awards uh episode um, so yeah, this show, this fight scene. If you if you if you watch this show, if you watched one episode and dropped it, pick it back up because episode two will sell you. Yeah, for for sure, absolutely. Um, and then for our runner up, uh, we already mentioned it, but Demon Slayer: The Gang versus Uzui. No, oh, the Gang and Uzui versus <laughs> Daki and Gyutaro. Um, this was most of the season, and this was, you know, Demon Slayer won the year previous. This fight is on par with that one. It's like, God, I feel like it was like six to seven episodes long. I mean, it kind uh, of was least. because, like, it, it it's not just the final fight. There are like skirmishes that happen before, like, the final fight happened. Um, yeah, and like generally, really great progressions throughout. Like you know, it's you know they do the whole this isn't even my final form thing yep. so well throughout that like as you kind of level up and the power shifts you know back and forth between people like it it keeps the intensity it you know you're always engaged. Absolutely. And I feel like generally I don't like fight scenes that go on for like for episode after episode. But like this one is done really well. And it is a kind of a theme this year of just incredibly long but well done fight scenes um, happening. And this one is no exception. I mean, the, the way the kind of um, the power structure of the demons, Daki and Yutaro, um, is laid out is really interesting and well thought out. And it comes at you. Um, in a surprising and satisfying way, you know, it doesn't just feel like like oh, actually, I have more powers that you just didn't know about. Like it feels good, you know, it feels well done and uh, suspenseful. And I think that's kind of what a what a fight scene. If you're gonna have a fight scene that lasts as long as this one does, you need to have a way to keep the audience engaged and feeling like it's not just a long fight scene for the purposes of filling time. And that's exactly what Demon Slayer does with this one. And and Demon Slayer is also really good about having consequences, right? So uh, there are consequences to this fight for, you know, all of the characters in the show. And it really progresses the for the story forward in an interesting way. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I think you know, overall, Demon Slayer, we we're spoiled with how good Demon Slayer is, and it has continued to do <laughs> yeah. that for us. Oh, and I can't wait for it to come back. Yeah, me neither. I'm so excited. Um, Sword Sword Village arc is coming soon. Yep. Um, and that leads us into the best fight of the year which i i mean come on it's it's got to be my hero shigaraki versus everyone yeah so we 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 foreshadowed this pretty heavily but like obviously this is the winner like the the you know it's similar to the to the demon slayer fight in that it takes place over almost the entirety of the season but like 
it, it does so in such a way that it it's constantly giving you new ways to feel suspenseful about the fight. You know, it never it never drops in intensity, but it like it it comes in waves. So like it's never gonna completely feel like okay, the fight's over. You know, we're we're done here, and then it just ramps back up. Like it, it comes and goes, but it never loses that kind of that intensity, that tension of having a in a, a, like a battle that's going on. You know. Well, and and that's so. I think one of the important things about fights and action is how you balance it, right? Like an important thing is having variations in intensity and the action because if it's at 11 all of the time, then it's really just, you know, it's the same as being at like a five all the time. There's no variation to it, right? You don't get those extra spikes of hype. Right. And Demon Slayer, or sorry, my hero is so good at balancing that between switching, you know, it, it takes the moments to switch to other people between the moments of intense action where it needs to, to fill in gaps of the story and progress and position people to the places they need to. So even when you're not on the action, the story is compelling, interesting, and showing the consequences of what's going on, whether it be from like the repercussions of Giganto Machia's like destruction and like how the people have to like deal with that, you know, and how that can then later come into play in the final, you know, battle. It it, it sets up things even in the downtime. Yeah, and I think it it does away it does away with the notion that Again, we talked about this in in the in the best action se- uh, section, but it does away with the notion that your characters can't die. Like, obviously, you know there are some characters that have plot armor, but like characters can die and characters can become like uh, permanently injured in this yeah. battle, and it is it is established early on that the stakes in this you know from this season on are different. And the the show yeah. is approaching battles differently, and I think it's doing so in a way that is satisfying. It doesn't feel like it's just extra power for the sake of power scaling. It feels good and interesting and, and exciting, you know. Um, yeah. When when Shigaraki first awakened his powers, I was like, oh shit! Like everything's different now, you know. Yeah. Well, and that's what's interesting too is like you are instantly moving to a scale we haven't seen since the Kamino Ward arc, right? Like, uh, you know, since all for one and one for all's, you know, big bat at like last battle, like you haven't seen those two kind of excessive powers clash and to see kind of where they're at now, like, you know, all for one is, on a level that is on par with all of the top superheroes combined. Yeah. <laughs> like that's the way that they portray that really lends to the like kind of terror of the situation of like, Oh my God, how do you deal with such an incredible power? And they do a good job of making you feel that. Absolutely. Yeah. This show, as so, far as fights go, easy choice, easy, easy choice. <laughs> 
And with that said, we come to kind of like the titular category, the best boy of 2022. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And for honorable mention, we have Shisho from Reincarnated as a Sword. Yeah, I think I think Shisho, you know, for the reasons that we, we spoke about Reincarnated as a Sword in the best isekai category, um, the reasons why he gets a, a best boy mention in this uh, regard is is that he is kind of the he is the ride or die for Fran in this show. He basically decides within like a couple moments of meeting her like, "Oh, like I the reason why I've been reborn in this world is to help her realize her destiny and that is what I'm going to do uh, at any cost. And all of the power that I've gained up until this point, I am going to allow her to use in whatever way she needs to to survive in this world." You know? Um, and I think that's really good. And it's done, like I said, it's not done in this kind of, like, uh, savior mentality. It's done in, in the way of, like, hey, I'm going to give you the tools that you need to survive. Um, and I really appreciate that about this about this show and about Shisho as a character. Um, I think he's kind of, he's pretty cool. He's kind of funny. He's definitely, he's approaching this... Um, this world through the lens of playing a video game, which is the only way you can really kind of uh, consider an isekai, especially when you're a piece of equipment. Um, but I think it's definitely he as a character, he is worthy of being spoken about as he's definitely the best boy of that show. And he's worth mentioning when we're talking about the best boy of 2022. For sure. Uh, and in terms of a runner-up for Best Boy, we got your boy Kong Ming from your boy Kong Ming. It's the titular Kong Ming. Yeah, I mean, Kong Ming is right or die. Like, he is like, listen, Aiko, I'm going to be your tactician. We're going to make this happen. And you know what? He follows through on his word. He always follows through. And that is what that is what makes him, I think, one of the one of what 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 makes a best boy a best boy is that like when when he says hey listen I got this I'm gonna take care of it they do it you know even when it doesn't look like it even when like maybe they nobody kind of understands how it's gonna work they're like listen I'm gonna make it work and all you need to do is just like believe in what I'm telling you and they do it you know uh, and and Kong Ming in this case is is an exemplar of that kind of mentality. Um, even though like the people around him don't always understand like like because and this is it always works out th th this is partially because he's bad at explaining things but like <laughs> they don't understand how but he's I gonna think, make things i think work. he does that i think he does that like to uh, as like kind of a sick joy he gets yeah no you know, it, from explaining it's it. definitely a tongue-in-cheek kind of thing but like he you know he's he whether or not you understand why by the end of the show you know that if he says he has a plan he's gonna make it happen you know yeah he's uh i love kong Ming. yeah he's great i need him to be my tactician for life absolutely please kong ming your next the next season of it's your boy kong ming should be him finding me a better job yeah um and then you know there can be only one and this was maybe the easiest choice we had all night yeah it, it is it is the easiest choice we had and it stands in stark opposition to the next category that we had because that was oh the most God. difficult one but list the uh, the best boy for 2022 if you've been paying attention you know who it is it is of course 
Pochita from Chainsaw Man. Who else could it I be? Mean, he's such a good boy. He's the best boy. First of all, he's literally like he's a chainsaw dog. So he is, in addition to being the best boy, story. he's also a good boy. Okay. Yeah. Um, and secondly, it doesn't get more ride or die than being like, "Oh, my my friend died. I'm gonna be his literal heart." You know, yeah. it doesn't get any more ride so or die he, than that. So he can live his dream. Exactly. Every dream no, from but... from eating fancy toast to touching boobs. Pochita is making it happen because it literally couldn't happen without him because he is now Denji's heart. Best boy, 2022. It is scientifically valid. We've checked the math. Pochita. Yeah. It's like this one was too easy. It was. Uh, Though up next we have best girl and uh, this was easily the hardest category. This was. To decide. What we're going to do is we're going to we're going to read you our our top three that are you know honorable mention our runner up and our um, our winner. But after we do that we're going to read you our entire list of nominees because this was a difficult this was an unexpectedly difficult uh, category for us. Um, there are a lot of strong, interesting female characters this year. Uh, and I think that's a good thing. I think it's a fantastic thing that we had so much trouble with this category. Yeah. Um, so to dive right into it, our honorable mention is going to go out to Marin Kitagawa from My Dress Up Darling. Um, she is like just so wonderful. She's kind of the thing that i love about the gyaru archetype of the not caring what other people think and just being true to yourself and and loving what you love and who you love and and she's just such a great example of that um that it's inspiring and it's it's really nice to see uh, a female lead with kind of as much agency as she gets within the show, right? Like she's not just, you know, an object of lust. Like she is her own fleshed out character who is as interesting, if not more than, uh, you know, the protagonist of the show. Absolutely. And I think one of the, one of the reasons why we talk about Marnie as a best girl um, it has to do with the way that she, from the moment that she considers Gojo to be her friend, immediately incorporates her in his uh, incorporates him into her life. So like, it's not like a kind of thing like, oh, we're just meeting up so that we can do our cosplay thing and it's separate from my regular life. Like, and it it it, it kind of it throws Gojo off because he expects that to be what it is, but she's you know she looks at Gojo as a part of her life holistically not just like oh you're not just my cosplay friend you're my friend you know you're important to me for reasons that are more than just because we do cosplay together you know um and i think you know that is definitely one of the one of the central plot points around the first couple episodes is is gojo coming to grips with that um but i think that that kind of gets to the core of what makes her a best girl is that she is not just approaching, you know, Gojo from this sense of like, this is a person who can do something for me. She's approaching him as a whole person, and she is willing to to 
go to whatever lengths possible to not just you know, make their shared dreams happen, but also to help him grow and understand his own dreams and goals and aspirations, you know? Yeah. And and that's, what's really nice is, is that it is a mutual thing. Like she is supportive of him. Like he, you know, he's very relatable in that he has this passion that, you know, is kind of nerdy and, you know, he is worried about what other people think about it. And when she finds out about it, she's like, why would I think that's weird? You're passionate about it. And I think being passionate's cool. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so Marnie, definitely a very powerful best girl. Um, but yeah. we we have a best girl who's even more powerful as our runner up. And that is <laughs> that is, of course, power from Chainsaw Man. I mean, power is just so great. Power is great. She's. <laughs> She's best girl for maybe reasons that are a little bit different from the other people in our list. But because she is so complex, she's such an interesting character. She, um, even though she kind of, she puts, she's almost a tsundere in the regard that she kind of puts on this front of like, ah, I don't care about anyone, but also she will do whatever it takes um, to kind of help out the people that she works with, you know? Um, I think is an interesting kind of like gap moe almost. Yeah. And she is a hysterical. She um, is hilarious. <laughs> but like uh, the thing about power is there is no other character like power out there. Yeah. Like straight up. Like there's just like, she is just like unapologetically, herself yeah and herself is weird and very specific and just like super like you know self-assured and and just hysterical she has, she she has a level of confidence that is hilarious and unmatched like um yeah. <laughs> she she's like oh i'm gonna win the nobel prize because i'm that fantastic um, and she, she she does she reminds me of the uh, bassist in Bochy. Yeah, and she doesn't just say it to be funny; like she believes it, even though it's ridiculous, you know. Um, and she is, you know, as as far as a supporting character goes, e- even though she's not like she's a different kind of supportive than Marnie is. Marnie is a, an emotionally supportive character, whereas Power she is she'll give you a blood axe exactly. She's a she uses her power as her support, right? So like. Um, even though she can't, she can't solve every problem. She's not like Kong Ming. She's not like the most reliable person in the world. Like if she can't, if, she's easily as smart as Kong. Ming. <laughs> yeah. But if there's something she can't do, she's not afraid to admit it. Like she, she will run away from a fight that she can't win. But if there's a fight that she can win, if there's a way that she can help you, she'll do it. You know? Yeah. No, she's she's a great character. She you is. can't go wrong with power. Yeah. Um, but you can go right with our winner, absolutely, which is Rebecca from Cyberpunk Headrunners. Absolutely, Rebecca is the best girl of 2022, and the the way you know this, I think for me, the scene that I have in my head is when her brother dies. And she just has every gun in the whole world shooting at the people who killed, like <laughs> shotgun, pistol, machine gun, even if it's too big for her to handle. She's shooting grenades at them. She doesn't care. She's there, you know? 
She is like th- the dictionary definition of ride or die. Yeah, and you know the 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 scene I just described was like a little bit tongue in cheek, but like she kind of strikes this balance between the type of best girl we have from Power and the type of best girl we have from Marin because she is simultaneously she's your ride or die in a fight, and she's also your ride or die when it comes to like, hey, my friend you know, this person who's important to me is making really bad decisions and I'm going to try to do everything I can to mitigate the damage from those decisions, you know? Um, Even though she can't necessarily stop David from making the decisions he's making, she does try. And she does, you know, when that fails, she's doing whatever she can to to kind of mitigate the damage um, of his shitty decision-making. Yeah, it's... it's a really interesting character and i'm so happy that you know trigger fought for the lolly <laughs> the lolly mustang yeah the lolly who curses and shoots at everything um is the best <laughs> kind of lolly um but yeah rebecca as a cat as a um a character is is interesting she's more she's she contains more multitudes than you would think about her from the way she's initially portrayed and i don't want to give away too much because i don't want to spoil anything but like in the latter, like maybe three, four, five episodes of the show, she is um, she is basically like an emotional support character, in addition to her just being a badass. You know, she's she is kind of a sounding board for the char- for for David to kind of um, to work through his own decisions, even though he doesn't end up with the right answers. Um, she kind of acts as 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 an emotional sounding board in that regard, um, and I think that is an interesting an interesting turn for her character as well. They could have easily just made her be the crazy cyber lolly who shoots guns and drinks and curses, uh, but they did more with her character, and I think that is really important for her uh, as a best girl as well. Yeah, absolutely. Ah, uh, and that closes. The most contentious category. Yeah, but before we move on, let's let's just quickly. I'm gonna quickly read out who our nominees for best girl were, so that you can understand how difficult this category was for us to reach a conclusion on. Um, we had Fran from Reincarnated as a Sword, Anya from Spy Family, Marin from Dress Up Darling, Reina from uh, uh, from Aharon San, Power from Chainsaw Man. We had both Bochi and uh, and Hiroi from Bochi the Rock. Um, we had Miorin from uh, Witch from Mercury. We had Ninim from uh, Genius Prince's Guide to Raising a Nation Out of Debt. We had Mine from Ascendance of a Bookworm. Of course, we had Rebecca from Cyberpunk. Um, and she's who ended up winning. Um, but that was a huge category, and like we had, we oh, we yeah. spent so much time <laughs> arguing, not arguing, but discussing, and like like changing our our answers and going back and forth and figuring out who ended up being the best girl this year. Um, and I'm glad we did it. It was an interesting it was an interesting exercise. And and I feel really good with where we landed. It was it was tough to get there, but <laughs> we made it absolutely. Um, so moving on to our uh, our next category, which is best antagonist. Um, I think for this one, let's start with our runner up. Um, yeah, and and that would be Jinpachi Ego from Blue Lock, which is a, an interesting antagonist. 
Yeah, he, he's a complex figure in this show because um, he's an antagonist in the way of, of like he's trying to make the characters better, but he's not be he he's doing that by being the obstacle that they need to overcome. Yeah, it is. He has set this kind of Rube Goldberg mis- contraption in motion to output the best, uh, you know, striker in soccer at the cost of everything, you know, people typically hold dear in sports anime. Yeah, and he's doing so in a way where he is nothing is off the table for him he's going to put them in um situations that are unfair uh he will lie to them um he he is not um he will do things to them and 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 force them to consider the world in ways that seem unconventional and different and like you know mean um and in doing so he does feel like an antagonist even though, again, like I said, he is the, the his ultimate goal is to make them better, you know. Yeah. Um. So, definitely, uh, a, an interesting antagonist choice. Not what you would typically see. Uh, much like our winner of this category, uh, which of course was. Shigaraki, Shigaraki Tomura from My Hero Academia. Um, like, come on. Just when you have all for one's power plus like crazy destruction power on a city size scale, like, it's, you know. A kind of pinnacle moment in terms of of uh, adversaries in the show. Absolutely, I mean his his awakening as a villain um, in this season of My Hero it changes the world. It changes the paradigm. the 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 whole story is different because of the way that he has uh, awakened his powers. Um, and not only that, but the way in which the you know the the villain organization, the League of Villains, has evolved under his kind of. Um, his command. And I think that's kind of why, like you can't, it doesn't get any better than this. You have, you have an antagonist who literally changes the stakes of the show. Um, it, it goes from being a happy, fun, you know, kind of school time show with with occasional battles with, with bad guys to an actual war, you know? Yeah. And it's a society where heroes are kind of the cornerstone of everything. And the, the outcome of this season really like shakes the foundation of society as a whole and the preconceived notions that kind of govern it. Absolutely. Um, So So it, it it like forces the story to go in a new direction because everything that we've become accustomed to is like kind of broken down by the events set in motion by Shigaraki. Absolutely. Um, so yeah, that kind of does it here for best antagonist. But wait. Wait, what's 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 that? A new challenger approaches. <laughs> A new challenger? What the real antagonist of this season was unfettered capitalism from Cyberpunk Edge Runners? <laughs> what an upset. Oh my god, he's coming with the steel chair. 
It's unfettered capitalism is the bad guy this year. What a shocker. Oh my god. Shigaraki, how could you lose in the in the last minutes there? I mean, but but talking about it in in kind of a tongue-in-cheek way, um, we we were thinking about like who is the antagonist in Cyberpunk Edrunners? And this the answer that we came up with is unfettered capitalism. Because there is like while there are people that he fights against, right? Um, there are people who are actively working against the main characters in the show. Um, the real answer is the bad guy is this kind of system that has been put into place by the the results of unfettered capitalism. So like you have these corporations who run everything. They have the same powers as governments do. They can do whatever they want. And that has led to the, the kind of the way that this world works um, in which uh, we we have as a setting for cyberpunk edge runners. Yeah, it, it like it's a matter of all of the antagonists, everything bad in this story really can be traced back to this kind of society that values, you know, corporations and wealth and, you know, status above all else and kind of the world that that brings about. Absolutely. So yeah, there's our little so. there's our little tongue in cheek uh <laughs> But, but but also really, really it, it yes. So <laughs> the real antagonist. Next we have best original anime, and it, it is important to us to kind of shine a light on this category, especially because like so much of anime comes from light novels or video games or uh, manga or you know manhwa or things like that. So it, it's nice to see what studios can make without like source material. What they come up with, what kind of new stories they create. And the first one we want to talk about is our runner-up, which was Lycoris Recoil. Um, Believe it or not, you know, all of that action, all that fighting, all was an original concept. And it uh, was really great. Um, I kind of actually would like to read a manga of this, I think, as well. Well, you're in luck, Best Boy Dan, because they did actually make a, no uh, a manga adaptation of this, I believe. Um, but yeah, I think it, it's crazy how well they pulled this off with zero source material. And I think that that's one of the challenges you have with an original anime um, is that you don't have this kind of world building from a manga or a light novel to fall back on, you know? Um, and I think that Licorice Recoil handles it really well, um, the way it builds its story and builds the world around its characters um, is something that some original anime kind of fail to do. A lot of times, original anime tends to fall back on tropes. They tend to fall back on, like you know, common themes that you, you see repeated between different shows, and Licorice Recoil doesn't do that. Um, it's got a very unique and interesting story to tell all on its own. Yeah, and I I think, especially with something like Licorice Recoil, like, we could see anime in the future, like, pulling from this. Like, I think they've set kind of a new bar to, like, you know, uh, gunfights in anime. I certainly hope so. I would love to see more of these kind of um, more realistic gunplay anime, but also paired with, you know, interesting stories. Yeah, absolutely. Because uh, on top of all that, it is just a cool and interesting story. Yeah, and it's got a really good mystery. It's got some good twists. You got the interactions between Chisato and Takina that are really nice. Um, and, you know, yeah. as, as like I was saying, as uh, like you were saying, for 
you know, we want to kind of point out when it comes to it's a particular achievement when an anime does that without having the backing of, of source material. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and the crowning achievement in uh, best original anime, uh, Justin is going to be happy to announce, uh, is Mobile Suit Gundam, The Witch from Mercury. Yeah, I mean, this is obvious. It's they they kind of they had a bit of a leg up because they set out to do what they did here. They were um, when they were when they were writing Witch from Mercury, they were trying to invent a Gundam for a new generation, and I think that's exactly what they've done. Um, they've made Gundam feel accessible for both people who have a history in Gundam, like myself, and also people who are brand new to the show. Um, I've talked to a number of people who this Witch from Mercury is their first Gundam show, uh, and they're really enjoying it. They love the the way the story is being told. Um, they are engaged with the characters and their motivations. And, you know, it, it's, a, it's a complicated thing for you to basically... It's not like a reboot of the Gundam franchise, but in some ways it kind of is. Um, this is going to... The, the way this show performs will chart how Gundam shows are made in the future. Um, yeah. And I think this I mean, is... it's been seven years since the last one was made. I, that's like pretty like critical to this this is you know a lot has changed in the landscape of anime even since iron blood orphans yeah. uh, aired like your daddy's gundam is not going to to be able to compete with modern you know audiences yeah and uh, there are some people who are kind of stuck in the the mindset where they they just refuse to acknowledge this for what it is and i think that's unfortunate for them because the story that this that this show has to tell is really fantastic. It's really interesting, and it's 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 a kind of a, a singular experience in the Gundam universe. Yeah, and it does give you all of those core Gundam things you want. And like, even if if you like really want the original stuff, they're like still putting out movies and and things like that. So yeah, uh, all the fans are are getting what they want. And and the thing that I love about Witch of Mer from Mercury, and I think we've said it before too, is just that how inviting this show is to everyone. Like, you don't have to be a Gundam fan, or you could be the biggest Gundam fan, and it will work for you. Um, there's just a lot to love from this show. Yeah, and I think it's, uh, as far as an original anime goes, it's definitely the strongest one we've had this year. Um, and I was, I have been really excited for it ever since I heard it was coming out. And now I, I cannot wait for, A, the final episode, which is going to air on January 8th, um, and then part two, which will be starting in April. Yeah, no, it's it should be quite the ride. Um, I'm hoping we get a full like 50 episodes out of this because uh, that's kind of been their MO of the last few series. Yeah, that would be really great. Um, and I think, you know, with with the, the pace that they're telling the story, I think it's very possible that could happen. Um, but I think uh, with all that being said, I think we're, we're ready to move on to our next category here. This is an exciting one. Um, we have best character design. Yeah, this is the start of our more technical categories. That's right. Um, and for our honorable mention for best character design, we have Cyberpunk Edge Runners. I mean, it had to be. Like, it's Trigger. Their character designs are wonderful, unique. Um, their kind of incorporation of all of Night City's technology into said character designs. 
you know, David's evolution, uh, Rebecca just as a whole in terms of a character design, like mm. they they nailed it. Absolutely. I think, you know, the, they definitely do a great job of making all of the characters feel unique, you know, and that's kind of one of the things that makes the cyberpunk universe really great is that everybody has different um, different upgrades, different cyberware. Um, they should feel and perform differently, and they do. And I think that works really well in this show. Yeah, and it, it took an established property and put it in Trigger's style in kind of the best possible way. Yeah. Um, so next up for character design, we have our runner-up, which is Komi-san Can't Communicate. Yeah. Um, I mean, when you have a wonderful character design, it's it's an ensemble. So it's all about the characters. Yeah. And, it, you know, it works really well for this kind of story because you have, uh, again, as we spoke about earlier, the, the way that they interact with each other and among each other, they, when the show pairs them up in different groups and different configurations is what is the impetus for the show to shine. Um, and having well-designed characters makes that possible. Um, and the fact that you have you have such a large cast of characters and mind you, the cast of characters that we have in the anime is not even half of what we're going to get total from in the manga. Um, and each character feels different. They feel like a holistic, you know, fully formed, fully fleshed out person with personality, with goals, with dreams, with, you know, quirks and aspirations. Um, and I think that is, you know, even as much as the visual element is important and it is well done, um, giving each character their own personality is just as much a part of character design. And Comey Can't Communicate does that fantastically. Yeah, I mean, all of these characters wear their personalities on their sleeves, like the just personality wise, they're all so incredibly unique. And again, that's one of the show's strong suits. And they are able to achieve the same thing visually, which is like kind of the whole goal, right? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> like that's the conceit is like, you want to define your characters through their looks and, and they nail it. Um, but there was one show that just stood head and shoulder above the rest. And that was do it yourself. Like when we saw this category, we were like, we have been so enamored with the character designs for that show um I, to me one of the the little details that just kind of makes the look for me is the like under shade of their hair yeah i and love how that. every character has like this very vibrant specific unique color to them uh, and it's just kind of really well implemented in their character designs. Yeah, and I think also one of the good things about this show is it, it gives you a great idea of um, outfits for the, each character. Each character, you know, a lot of times with a show like this, the characters, they have their pajamas and then they have the clothes they wear at school. And that's it. Mm -hmm. And they never change. And I think this one does a really great job of avoiding that. Because not only do you have the, the, the characters with their school uniforms... But you have the clothes that they wear when they're at the DIY club, which are different. They have their own like set of overalls. They have their clothes that they wear when they go out with each other. They have their clothes that they wear when they go to the hardware store. They have their pajamas that they wear when they're by themselves. They have their pajamas that they wear at sleepovers. Like they have, they feel like real people who actually wear different clothes. You know, 
Um, and all of their outfits reflect their personalities, you know, and it, it's, it's really well put together in that regard. Yeah, well, and I and I think you touch on a really good point of that, too. Like, when they are outside of school, you get to see, like, their dress-down, you know, uniform, right? Like, the, whenever I've been in a situation where, like, everyone has to be in, like, the same outfit, whenever you're, like done with that requirement like everyone dresses down differently like some people roll up their sleeves some people like unbutton you know their like shirt Mm. some people untuck their shirt and the way all of their characters do it is very true to the characters themselves and how they've been established through their personalities and and you know that's when we were talking about this show in length, that's one of the things that stood out to us the most is just how individual these characters were. And they did it with the way they dressed in very subtle but significant ways. Yeah. I mean, I'm a sleeve roller. I don't know what that says about me, but that's what I am. Um, Oh, yes. (laughs) But as far as DIY goes, uh, you know, along the lines of character design, um, one of the things that we we touched on during our seasonal spotlights episode that I'll highlight here as well is just the the way that these characters are never drawn for the male gaze that I appreciate. Um, you know, the characters are able to show skin. They're able to be comfortable in their own skin without being sexualized. And I think that's also a really important element of the character design. Um, and uh, yeah, the show knocked it out of the park with its characters. Yeah. Um, next up, we have another technical category, and this is one that <laughs> I've been looking forward to almost all year. That is best animation. Yeah, this was an interesting category and kind of a little bit of an upset in in certain ways. Um, but uh, I, a lot of this was a particularly interesting year for animation. Uh, and up first, we're going to talk about a show you might have heard about on this podcast before, Bochi the Rock. <laughs> it's, um, it's back. It's back, but it's also not winning a category. Shocking. Yeah. Um, but to talk about the animation, and I, and I think we have pretty much at length within the last podcast and even this one, it's it's excellent. And it's not afraid to bounce back and forth between different art styles. I think a notable standout um, is the way they animate Bochi's, like, physical expression of anxiety attacks, whether it be her exploding or melting or usually kind of, like, fizzling out or turning into scribbles. Um and things like that just they do a great job of animating feelings yeah i think that's that's one of the core things about the animation in the show but one of the other things um that really stick out from the animation of the show is the way the girls are animated when they're on stage and the way it kind of it ends up feeling like a like a semi pro underground rock Ugh. video like it feels like a music video sometimes when they're on the stage they do the gopro shot down the neck of the guitar mm-hmm. and it's like so well done <laughs> to me one of my favorite like all of the scenes where they're on the stage are, are, are great but one of my favorite on scene moments that on stage moments that we have is when they're playing at the cultural festival at school and um when uh the vocalist she starts improvising on the guitar 
and the the kind of the way you get that angle because you're seeing it from the, the the perspective of the audience but then you also see it from the perspective of Bochi that kind of down the looking up from from down below because she's, she's working on her equipment um, and I thought that was really really well done yeah it just top to bottom like the cinematography every everything about the look of this show is is really really well done yeah and that you know with that high praise we're only talking about the honorable mention right now um this like we said this is a crazy uh, year for animation yeah and i think that being said we're gonna move into what a lot of people are gonna be surprised to hear is only the runner-up and that is cyberpunk edge runners yeah, you would think that us uh, trigger simps would have it as number one. Yeah, but um, even though it's not number one, it is fantastic. Um, the scenes that really stick out to me as far as animation is concerned with cyberpunk are like the high intensity action scenes, especially when you have that. They have an animation for when somebody is going through cyber psychosis where their eyes just like start doing all these crazy unsettling things. Um, and I that was what immediately struck me about the the animation where I was like, oh, yeah, Trigger is really flexing here, you know? Um, what did you think, Best Boy, Uh The moment for me was the scene where uh, Lucy, like, busts David out of the ambulance. Mm-hmm. And it's like, and they're going down the highway and she's, like, moving it, like, out of the way of, like, cars and, and things like that. Yeah. It, it's just so spectacular like i always love trigger uh again they're a very particular kind of art style which i really enjoy and i think that their work is really beautiful um but i think when you apply it to something like night city it just works so well together because you really feel how technologically advanced but at the same time like dirty and disparaged and desolate the city is like it's it's grungy but it's also like brightly neon lit and and all of that is is captured through what on the surface is kind of this very simple style but lets them do this sort of amazing animation work yeah yeah and i think you know trigger is definitely it's kind of one of those polarizing uh, studios where it's there's not a lot of in between. You either love Trigger or you hate it. Um, where and I think on that spectrum, most people end up loving it, but it has its haters, and I think that's fine. I understand it's not for everybody, but you know what they did with Cyberpunk was just like unprecedented. It was like really, really well done. And as somebody who's been a fan of the Cyberpunk genre for a long time, like <laughs> kind of longer than I've been an anime fan, to be honest with you, so you know, in a lot of ways. Um, it has animated a cyberpunk world in a way that felt like natural to me, you know, like when I was reading Neuromancer as a middle schooler, um, the world that I was imagining is the world that Trigger drew, you know? Yeah. Yeah. They nailed it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but they didn't get first place. They didn't get first place. And you know what? That's because we have, uh, an anime who it, it, if if for nothing else, it seemed like they were animating their their show with an eye towards being the best animation at any costs, and that is <laughs> a Kebby's sailor uniform. Because holy, like they are, they were flexing. I believe this was Cloverworks, if I'm if I'm not mistaken. Um, 
they were absolutely flexing their animation muscles in this show because uh, I remember, I think it was either the first or second episode where she does like a cartwheel while she's wearing her sailor uniform and mm-hmm. just every single fold of her skirt, every strand of her hair, perfectly flawlessly animated. Like I can't, I can't, it's, 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 it's almost disappointing to talk about this in an audio medium because you just can't, you can't <laughs> get it across to somebody who hasn't seen it. It's uh, the thing that stands out in my memory of the show is is just the way they animate the eyes. And that's like uh, a thing that you can say about a lot of anime out there. But I think this one above all, like just every little detail was captured in the way they would like do close ups of eyes. Yeah, eyes, and... uh, water too was was especially beautiful in this show. And it's so funny because, you know, Cloverworks can be so kind of like hit or miss with their stuff. But like this one was just just flexing like crazy. Yeah, this was Cloverworks was in in animating this show. Cloverworks was like, hey, we want everyone to remember we can animate, too, you know, Um, because they (laughs) not just ruined season two of Promise Neverland. Exactly. Like, you know, (laughs) it's it's almost impossible to describe because it's so it was so it felt so natural the the animation it didn't feel like hey like we're we're making something that's too real to be real it felt natural but in a way that's not boring um everything yeah, mo- it still fit in as an anime it wasn't like they were just you know trying to do hyper realism like it was elements of realism in the context of anime yeah and it was pulled off so perfectly so like if if you like it's difficult to explain in an audio medium um, but if you are at all like at all like technically interested in animation, um, you should go ahead and watch an episode or two of a Kebby Sailor uniform to to understand why we're gushing about this show that maybe a lot of you guys, unless you listen to our seasonal uh, anime episodes, <laughs> might not have even heard of. You know, um, this kind of Cloverworks story based on a slice of life manga that was moderately popular. Um, and is not looking like it's going to get a sequel anytime soon. Um, but it, it, it just has to be talked about. Yeah. Um, yeah, anything else on this one, Best Boy Dan? No, I think I'm ready to talk about Best Voice Actor. This is an exciting one. This is one we didn't do last year either, and I'm glad we brought it to the awards this year. Yeah, uh, it, you can't have... a good anime without good voice acting yeah uh and these were some really standout performances up first we have do it yourself uh nichika omori Uomori, yeah. um who performed uh job co which uh, part of me wanted this to be number one because it was my favorite performance of the year um but just in terms of a technical uh performance we could not crown it the champion so it is our honorable mention but i i love jobco it's the perfect american uh in uh, an anime like usually it's people who don't know how to do the english accent yeah um but the way that she says words in english are just so great it, it just makes it yeah, usually when you have a character like this in anime, um, they end up being the character speaks perfect Japanese, and then occasionally they will say something in hilariously broken English. 
Um, but that is not the case here with Jobko, uh, with Nichiko Umori. Um, it, she does it so perfectly. Like, it, it sounds Good job, like... pudding. Good job! Yeah, I, I have known... I knew a couple Americans who spoke, like, Japanese pretty fluently while I was living there. And the way she speaks Japanese sounds like the way they spoke Japanese. Because it was clearly not the same way that even though they spoke fluently, they didn't have the same way of speaking as a native speaker. And that comes across with this uh, performance. Yeah. It, you don't see that sort of attention to detail with uh, regards to American accents a lot in anime. And it was pretty great. Yeah, so I actually, um, I have a last minute addition to this, um, oh, to this category, yeah, breaking news, um, no, I, I wanted to give a, just a very brief shadow, because this is something that I've only discovered in the past couple days, because as, as many of you know, I, I don't really watch dubs, uh, I am mostly a subs viewer, um, so I completely missed this one, but I want oh, to God. give an honorable, no, you know what it is, but I know you know what it is now. I want to give an honorable mention to the voice actress for Himeno in Chainsaw Man in <laughs> English, and that is Caitlin Barr, and that is for the scene where she is in bed with Denji, and I would like to see if editor Best Boy Dan could just edit in a very quick clip right here. Want to do it? Do Fuck. Because this broke the internet. Oh, God. <laughs> um, so, Caitlin Barr, your honorable mention is here. Thank you very much. I'm sorry the internet is being creepy and weird right now, but, like, it was really well done. Yeah. Um, oh, hilarious. <laughs> next up, we have our runner-up for the Best Voice Actor category, and that is uh, Rie Murakawa for her performance as Najimi in Komi-san uh, Komi Can't Communicate. <laughs> I mean, Najimi is just so great in this show. Uh, brings so much energy to the performance. Um, Najimi was always one of the most fun characters in the manga. So having someone who brings that sort of chaotic energy to the character is just so perfect. Absolutely. And I think, um, you know, the, the the way, the kind of range that Rie Murakawa has, it really speaks to this, um, uh, to how well it, this was played. Because um, she kind of plays, you know, when you look at her career, she plays a lot of supporting characters. But she does so in ways that they don't all sound the same. And none of them sound like Najimi, as far as I'm aware. Um, so I think this... Uh, you know her her performance here was was really interesting it brought this character to life like if you if you're somebody who reads the manga and you're reading Najimi's parts um i i don't know about you but like when i first heard Najimi's voice in the in the trailer i was like yeah that's perfect you know yeah like that's no, exactly no. what i had in my head absolutely um so excellent job uh Rie Murakawa runner up for best voice actor 2022 um, now we move on to the winner of Best Voice Actor 2022, and that is Ryotaro Okayu from who uh, for a performance as Kong Ming uh, in It's Your Boy Kong Ming. I'm so glad you said that name. <laughs> <laughs> Ryotaro, yeah, that's a tough one. Um, 
but yeah, this one, um, I, I feel like his voice, it just so like, God, it's like also, so alluring, you know? Yeah. Shout out to the, the English cast as well. His voice is actually pretty good in the dub. Yeah. Um, but, but the original, uh, voice actor like really nailed it. Like it brings that kind of like, it's soothing, but knowledgeable. Yeah. Yeah. Like you, you really feel like, okay, this guy like knows his stuff. Like he's, you know, this master tactician, um, he talks with a confidence and, and that really only comes from experience and knowledge and, and all this sort of stuff. And, and he has fun with it too. Like there's points where he literally has a rap battle. Yes. Um, yes, he does. <laughs> But through, I think, like, through, like, old, like, ancient Chinese, like, poetry and stuff like that, too. Um, but he, his range within the show is spectacular. Um, this is just, like, one of those top-notch performances. Absolutely. Yeah, I was was thoroughly pleased um, by this vo- uh, voice actor performance. And, um, you know, like I said, it's it, it's the kind of voice that just feels... It feels soothing. It feels knowledgeable. It feels in control, and I think that for this character, just works so fantastically. It, it in a way, it kind of reminds me of um, Ian McKellen as Gandalf, just in that like kind, not maybe in like cadence or timber, but just in like, oh, I recognize how, how like you know powerful this character is but also gentle just from the way that they speak yeah i absolutely would echo that absolutely yeah so uh that leads us to uh another new category and (laughs) that category is the best something where i have an excuse to yell at disney for taking summertime rendering away from us and the winner is disney for summertime rendering you bastards bring me the mouse I have heard nothing but amazing things about summertime rendering. I've heard it's like contender for like best anime. You know, it's just this amazing like mystery story, like all this sort of stuff. And Disney owns it and it's aired in Japan and there's been nothing yet in terms of distribution to the West. And it makes me so sad. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm really bummed about this. I was kind of like, you know, we knew it be, would be in Disney jail for a little bit. I had no inkling, no idea they would keep it in Disney jail for an entire year. Yeah, it, this came out what like spring? Yeah, I think spring it or out? yeah, maybe even late winter. Um, it, it, I remember it started at a weird point in the season, but like it's still it's still in Disney jail. It's crazy. And they've done, like, the whole season. Like, I think they did a full, like, 24 to 26 episodes. Yeah. And just nothing, no news on, you know, if they're waiting for the dub or whatnot. At this point, it's like, we don't even know if we're ever going to get it. uh, Which is upsetting and really kind of the worst way to do it. Because even when, like, Netflix would jail stuff back in the day, they would release it all as soon as it finished airing in Japan. Yeah. Do better, Disney. Um, yeah, so a real bad foray into the anime space. Yeah, but we're moving on from that to a more positive direction. We have, we're, we're going to start talking about some of the musical awards here. 
Um, and of course, our first uh, section for that is going to be best score. Um, yeah. So which, um, we, we have two two honorable mentions for this one. Which one do you want to talk about first, Best Boy Dan? Uh, I guess let's talk about Cyberpunk first. Okay, perfect. Uh, Cyberpunk Edge Runners. Uh, this, you know, <laughs> we've already talked about all the other aspects in which, like, Cyberpunk nails that specific genre, and the music is no different. Um the song that kind of comes to my mind is the one that plays when they're like doing the uh, on the moon brain dance mm -hmm. um, and, and that song gets used kind of thematically throughout the entire show um, but it's just like a great song um, they, they had whoever was crafting the songs it wasn't just like orchestrations they had that sort of stuff they actually like wrote songs with lyrics and, and stuff for the show and, and they work so well within the action and the context of what is happening on screen yeah I wholly agree I mean it's definitely one of those shows where um, the the music is written with a very careful eye like it's pretty often you end up with shows where the the score, uh, kind of feels like an afterthought, but definitely not the case here with Cyberpunk Edge Runners. Yeah, um, but with that said, there were a lot of really good shows, which is why we have four in this category. We couldn't narrow it down too much. We also wanted to give an honorable mention to Comey Can't Communicate because just such like masterful executions in in underscore four scenes, like they nail the emotions especially like the frenetic frantic moments in mm -hmm. comey like comey is all about these kind of like breakaway gags and bits and and uh you know like interactions uh that will repeat or come back and they use these kind of same songs to to tie those moments together and they're all just so great they always accentuate the on-screen uh action yeah i think it does a really excellent job of conveying emotion through um through its score and i think also it has a really interesting breadth so like it, the, the songs are not very similar to each other like different uh, different cases require different like uh, different styles and it, it does that really well um it has everything from like simple little you know tunes that sound like they're maybe done on like a marimba or something all the way up through like orchestral like orchestral pieces that kind of flourish um and and it it, it does everything in between with the same amount of skill and care and i think that's very important yeah um but then getting into our runner-up we have Call of the Night, which this is a friggin' vibe. Yeah, Call of the Night is something when we're talking about a score, uh, really, really special. It is like it, it captures it, it. The score is easily responsible for at least fifty percent of like the solid nighttime vibes you get from this show. And I, I remember the moment I was first blown away by the score in this uh, show was in the first episode. Um, the uh, Nanakusa, she is taking the main character flying, right? She, she's because she's a vampire, she can fly. And the music that plays in the background um, is a song called Lost Time by, um, oh gosh, what was the name? Uh, Creepy Nuts. Um, and the, which is like the best band name, <laughs> it is the best, <laughs> it's band my name. new favorite band name. There is actually a story behind this. Um, 
the song Yo, uh, Yofukashi no Uta, which is the the best e, uh, which is the ED for this one. Um, the manga is actually named after this song. Huh. And the anime is, of course, named after the manga. So it, the song was here before the manga was. And the manga That's is named wild. after the song. Yeah. So music is a very, uh, very important part of this show. Um, and throughout the entire soundtrack is just absolutely gorgeous. I've listened to it over and over and over again. Um, you really can't go wrong with this kind of nighttime solid. Um, it, it switches back and forth between like, you know, heavy bops and vibes to things that are just more kind of relaxed and calm and like kind of sleepy. Um, and it does everything really well. Yeah. No, this this is a vibe. This is a great OST. Um, but there can be only one. And that one... course it's bochi the rock yeah i mean like we've been talking about this show all all evening and it is it rocks yeah i mean (laughs) kesuko band is a jam yeah i've been listening to it nonstop. the the cd came out on the 28th um and i have been listening to it pretty much since it dropped and it's you just you can't get any better than this i mean to to have the the band that is made up of the voice actresses um, play all of the music from the show. It, it just it, it's it's satisfying, you know. And, and and it's music that's not like your typical like it's not like just you know J-pop and EDM. Like this is like it's rock music, you know. Like it's it's a little mm-hmm. campier than maybe you might think of when you think of rock music. But it's rock music, and it it rocks. Um, yeah, uh, I've been jamming to this album since it came out. Yeah, but it's not even just the songs, the insert songs. They also just the score. For the moments that are in between the music, like the in between the music, so like you have, of course, your you know, your orchestral parts, your OST for when they're you know walking down the street or they're in school or whatever. All of that is great and well, uh, it's like really masterfully crafted. Um, and I think you know when you have a, I always say when you have an, an anime about music, the music has to be good. Um, and Bochi the Rock never disappoints in that regard. Yeah, it. it I think you couldn't have said it better. Like. It is a music anime, and it does the music well. Like, what what more could you want from it? Yeah. So, you know, if for nothing else, watch Bochi the Rock for the music, but also watch it for all the other reasons that we've been telling you. <laughs> all the other awards we have given it. Yeah. Uh, and um, so with that said, we're about to dive into all of the best OPs and EDs from the season. All right, so for the best OP, we're going to do things a little differently. We have 10 in this category. We're going to give you a whole top 10. But rather than break down each individual song, we're just going to kind of go through, say, one thing we like about each of the songs till we get to the top ones, uh, just for interest of time. And so you're not here forever. Uh, Up first, we have for best OP, Blue Lock with Chaos Ga Kiwi... Kiwamaru by Unison Square Garden, which I also like that uh, band name too. Yeah, it is a good um, band name. But uh, great OP, especially when it like drops into that like uh, like high pitch like singing section. It like it's awesome. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I think that part of it is is really really good. 
Yeah. Um, up next for number nine, we have Spy Family, Mixed Nuts by Official Hige Dandism, which is a great band that I recommend everyone check out. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, this was this was the thing that kind of defined that season of anime for me was hearing this song. Um, it's very, very catchy. Yeah. Um, for number eight, we have Bastard, Bloody Power Fame by Cold Rain. Uh, this is just a straight up banger of a rock song. Yeah, this one I, I like a lot. Cold Rain is great. I think the most important thing about it is that it feels like an old school anime OP, which is like kind of what the, the, the anime is going for as a whole. Yeah. Um, in the seventh slot, we have Call of the Night, Dotten by Creepy Nuts. Um, this song, since we started doing this list, has actually been stuck in my head. <laughs> yeah, it definitely, it's a, it's a brain worm. Um, and it's a solid bop. Like he doesn't get, it doesn't get any more kind of like, like happy vibes than this. Yeah. Uh, in the sixth slot, we have your boy Kong Ming with Chitty Chitty Bang Bang by Queendom. And this, the visuals are great. This song is a bop. When it came out, I listened to it on repeat for like weeks. He sure did. <laughs> in the fifth slot, uh, we have Attack on Titan, The Rumbling by Sim. This song is also just like a really great kind of rock metal song it's on my workout playlist yeah this is like on the heart more hardcore end of attack on titan ops but attack on titan always delivers on that front yeah in the fourth slot surprisingly not in the top three bochi the rock with seishun complex by kesuko band um i love that it is the song she wrote in the closet about being like a loner and then it's like done by the whole band and it's a banger yeah like if you if you look up the lyrics for this song they're actually really great um i love i just loved how this song announced the show like when i heard this song i was like oh i'm gonna like this show yeah uh and then finally moving into the third place slot we have gundam witch from mercury with shuku fuku by yaosobi I love Yaosabi, and this song is a bop. Yeah, this like, song is a solid banger. Like, I'll je like just listen to, like, Yaosabi's, like, hits on, like, repeat, and then whenever this song comes up, I'm like, yes! Yeah, I, I really like this song for just how, like, how catchy it is. Like, it makes you, it does, it does, it's not like any other Gundam opening. Um, it actually is kind of doing an important thing for the show, where it, it gets you to pay attention, you know? Yeah, and it has nice visuals that uh, complement it. I love all the um, stuff with uh, Suleta and Mirin. Um, just, it, it does everything you want out of an OP. Yes, absolutely. Uh, and then, our runner-up in second place, we have... Cyberpunk Edge Runners, This Fire by Franz Ferdinand.
you told me that Franz Ferdinand was going to be doing the OP to an anime, I would have not believed you. Yeah, the the, the me from two years ago is not ready for <clears> this. Um, but the song is perfect. It's almost like they they could you could tell me that they wrote this song to be an anime OP, and I'd be like, yeah, that makes sense. Like it's perfect. Yeah, that's what I thought originally, but it turns out the song existed before the anime. Yeah. Um, it works really well, but also the thing that, that really works in this OP is the visuals. Uh, the visuals mm-hmm. for this OP are really solidly done, and they work really great with the song. Yeah, it it is just like the timing to everything, too. The This song has like a lot of big beats and, and visuals that accompany those beats and the way that they do it. And it's not u- the usual thing where like you know, downbeat, flip to, like, a different, like, thing. It's long, spread out things that are building up in concurrence with the the song itself. Um, and and just the payoff is, is a really top OP. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but, again, there can be only one. And this was not even a question. <laughs> we had no problem picking this. It is Chainsaw Man Kickback by Kenshi Yonezu. Yeah, uh, I mean, you know, it, it's it's impossible for this one to, to be any lower than first place. Like, that solid bass line that it, when it first leads in, it does that same thing that I was talking about um, for the, with Shuku Fuku from Gundam, where it lets you know, it, it grabs your attention, it says, hey, pay attention, we're starting now, right? Um, and then also, you know, aside from the music, which is phenomenal, the visuals, the visuals, the callbacks to all sorts of different... Uh, references from Quentin Tarantino and The Big Lebowski. Um, it's got it, this. It's cinematic in quality. Oh yeah, the whole show is amazingly cinematic. But I have watched multiple videos breaking down all of the references in uh, the OP, and it's amazing how many things they packed in there. One thing that stands out in my head is. There's this moment towards the end of the OP where they're battling uh, this devil and Denji signals to power. Power realizes what Denji's saying, thinks about the solution and imagines herself in her like smart form Mm -hmm. um, and then executes the plan which is like using the hammer to hit the gold ball to send denji flying at the devil and just like that moment and communication is a just such a great establishment of their characters Mm -hmm. uh within the span of maybe less than three seconds uh but also just uh tells its own little story 
Absolutely. And I think one, one of the other things I really like about the, the way this kind of OP handles itself is the dance. Of course, there's the dance, right? Oh, yeah. And everywhere, everywhere at Anime NYC, people were doing the dance. Um, oh, it's so good. And it has caught on. It's You can't not find a video of someone doing the dance if you're like... If you're on anime Reddit or you're scrolling through Instagram, you're going to see it. It's it's iconic by this point. Yeah, so I I will be intrigued to see what we get uh, coming back from them, especially, you know, since they did 12 uh, EDs this year. Um, like, what we're going to get for a season two or how can you top what they did in the OP and ED game? <laughs> yeah, it's, it's going to be, it's a tough job, but they're going to have to do it. Um, but yeah, so I think that does it for our top 10 e, uh, OPs for this, uh, 2022. Um, and I think it's time for us to go ahead and roll into the best EDs from 2022. Um, what? yeah, so we're going to start here at number 10 with, um, Uzaki-chan, Happy Life by MKLN Tick. I don't know quite how to pronounce that. Uh, I like to think it's McLantic. <laughs> McLantic? Okay, Perfect. Um, I, I don't know if that's right. <laughs> good enough for me. Um, I kind of I love how this song um, it feels like peppy and upbeat, and you have like the kind of um, minimalist vector style drawing of Uzaki Chan walking through the OP as it happens around her, and she's making little faces and she's smiling and she's waving and it's nice. Excellent. Yeah. Uh, next up from Bochi the Rock, we have their ED number one, Distortion by Kesoku Band. What? How could Bochi be number nine? Th it, this song's great. <laughs> yeah, this song is great. Um, again, it, it it feels really nice and rock and like crunchy, and I like it. Mm -hmm. um, no, coming in at number eight from uh, Kaguya-sama Love is War, Ultra Romantic, we have Heart wa Oteage by Airi Suzuki. And obviously the thing we love the most about this is the fact that the <laughs> visuals are an entire reference to Starship Troopers. Which I not so secretly have a deep, deep love for. I do too. So see, seeing this in anime form and with characters I love was just so spectacular. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they basically, they made a 90 second anime of Starship Troopers with the characters from Kaguya-sama and it's great. Um, yeah, top notch. <laughs> yeah, so coming in at number seven, we have Bochi the Rock again with their ED number two, Karakara by Kesoku Band. This one's a little slower, but like I really do love the vibes of it, and I think it goes really well with the kind of line drawings they have for the um, and like the chibi characters for the end. Yeah, I always describe this one as the sad girl Bochi song, but it's really good. Um, coming in at number six from Blue Lock, we have Winter by Shugo Nakamura. This is, like, the quintessential, like, sports anime ED. Mm -hmm. It's a great song, but you also get, like, just the visuals of all the characters in their, like, normal attire. Yeah, like Best Boy Dan said, I, I also, the, my favorite part of this is just kind of the, the roll call of characters we get at the end. Um, and the song is just really, really well paired for that. Um, so coming in at number five, we have from Licorice Recoil, Hana no Tou by uh, Sayuri. Um, this one is just like, you know, w when you think of like kind of the um, archetypical example of uh, an ED, this one really nails it. Yeah, absolutely. 
Um, moving on into number four, we have Call of the Night with Yofukashi no Uta by Creepy Nuts. Again, this is the song that is inspired the name of the manga and later on the anime. Um, and it is a banger. It is a solid banger. Yeah, I, it seems like Creepy Nuts can really do no wrong. Yeah, they're, they're, they're a really interesting band I'm going to be keeping my eye on. Um, so now as we move into our top three... Uh, coming in at number three, we have from My Dress Up Darling, Koei no Yukue by Akari Akase. And this one, I just... It gets stuck in your head. The cune, cune, cune. You know, it's just really kind of cute and fun and just lighthearted. I I think when we were trying to like place this on the list, I said something to the effect of like cune, 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 and you were like, "I know exactly what you're talking about." Yeah, well, because you, <laughs> you from that like one syllable three times. You, you couldn't remember the name. Like you were stumbling over the name of the the song, and you just went cune, cune, cune. I was like, "That one, that one. It's my dress of darling." <laughs> Yeah, it's oh my god! It's the visuals are adorable. Uh, for like a rom com, you get like these really cute, like chibi versions of them, like flying through space and mm-hmm. all this sort of stuff. It's oh, I love it, it. It's super cozy. It reminds me a lot of the Haremia ED. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 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 for sure. Yeah, excellent. Okay, so moving on into number two, um, we have from Spy Family ED number two. Uh, of, like, we weren't going to leave Spy Family off this list, are you kidding me? No, of course not, and this song is really great. Um, and also the, the sequence, I think, is what really does it for me. It's just a really fun, and like, you know, Spy Family does this with its ending sequences, where it's just the collage of comfy family life with Anya, Lloyd, and, um, Yor. And this one I thought was particularly adorable, because you have that kind of scene where Anya messes up the cake, and they all make a cake together, and they make dinner, and Anya's dancing on the chair, and she's happy. And anything that, anytime we get to see Anya just being happy, uh, makes me happy. But yeah, I love that as it's spinning, you get like a visual of each room and like different characters interacting, like uh, Anya and uh, Fuzzy Head. What's his name? Oh, Frankie. Yeah, and also yeah. you have Bond. Um, you have uh, yours brothers in it. Yeah, um, you have the like gray hair girl that's in love with Lloyd. Um, but it it just it does a good job of of like kind of establishing the home vibe and the interaction between all the characters outside of the show yeah i think yeah you know if that aspect of it is is just one that you just can't um ignore but then also you know coming in at number one you knew it was gonna be this one it was (laughs) the best ed of 2022 without a doubt Spy Family ED1 Comedy by Gen Hoshino. Yeah, I 
Listen, the ED, the, the visual sequence in this one was solid, but it's the music that makes this one. Gen oh. Hoshino never misses. Yeah, really a tremendous talent in the music space. Again, this is like one of those artists that like I just straight up listen to outside of like anime songs uh, just because he's really, really good uh, and has done a lot of really top-notch OPs, but... This is, I think, one of the one of the best ones out there. Yeah, and I mean, as far as the visuals are concerned, they're also very adorable. You have Anya basically kind of like walking down a hallway, and it's got like her like little drawings and paintings that come to life, um, and it just kind of shows the characters going about their daily life. Again, they're having a nice family moment, and uh, they're dancing with each other. They put they put Anya on like a little stool, and they each do like a little dance where they point at each other. Um, it's very cute. I really enjoy it. Yeah. Now, what's odd to me is we just did a whole list of the top ten EDs, but not a single one of them were from Chainsaw Man, which had twelve different e EDs. You're very what's the deal with that, Best Boy Justin. You're very observant, Best Boy Dan. That's correct. We did not include any of the Chainsaw Man EDs in our top 10 list of best EDs. And the reason why we did that is because it would be absolutely unfair because Chainsaw Man has 12 EDs. Each of them are different um, by different artists. And we thought it would be a better exercise rather than trying to figure out where each one fits in within the top 10 and having it dominate the list with probably, to be entirely honest with you, at least four entries. Um, we decided we would do instead a ranking of all of the Chainsaw Man EDs. <laughs> um, so that's right. We have a top 12 list for the 12 Chainsaw Man EDs. And we're going to just dive right into it because it's a beefy list. Yeah. <laughs> uh, with number 12, uh, we have ED9, Deep Down by Aimer. Uh, and it's, of all of them, kind of the least remarkable. It's fine. It's the least best. Um, yeah. Yeah. That's I don't have much more to say about it. <laughs> Yeah. Um, next up we have, coming in at 11, we have the ED from episode 10, Dogland by People 1. Um, that's a lot of numbers all at once. But um, this one, it just kind of, you know, the music was okay, the, the but the, the visuals were a little off-putting to me. I don't know. How did you feel? Yeah, similarly. Yeah. <laughs> uh, ED3 comes in at number 10, uh, Hawatare Niku Sentai by Maximum the Hormone. Uh, again, just kind of, you know, a fine ED, nothing too outstanding about it. Uh, the, to me, I think it gets full marks for the band name. I like Maximum the Hormone. Yeah, that's pretty good. Yeah. Uh, coming in at number nine, we have the ED from episode two, Time Left by Zutomayo. Um, this is, I think, where the EDs kind of start to get a little more um, interesting to me on the list. Not that the other EDs aren't interesting, but like I, I really, uh, we're really starting to get into the territory where they're getting to be kind of cool. And I think this one is visually very cool. Um, you got Denji in the back alleys and everything. It's, it's really interesting. Yeah. All right. In the eighth place slot, we have ED number five in the back room by Siodu, um, which is just like visually super trippy. Like it kind of gives you like Evangelion type vibes. Yeah. It's kind of trippy. And it's, it's almost nauseating a little bit. Yeah. Uh, coming in at number seven, we have the uh, ED from episode seven, Chu by Tayose and Ano. Um, 
this one kind of has like a like a almost like a Midwest emo kind of soundtrack with like a like a kind of like a '90s TV anime aesthetic. Also, it does feature Himeno barfing into uh, Denji's mouth, which is great. <laughs> yeah, I do. I do really enjoy that song. Yeah. Um, in the sixth slot, we also have episode six, uh, "Rendezvous" by Kanaria. Um, which is kind of this like MC Escher kind of inspired like vibe to it. Um, again, pretty cool uh, animation to it. Yeah. Um, coming in at number five, we have the ED from episode eight, First Death by TK from Ling Tosite Shigure. Um, this one is kind of like the like the funeral rock song for a character who dies, and it's very uh, very interesting in that regard. Yeah. In the fourth slot, we have the last ED of the season, uh, which is Fight Song by Eve. And uh, longtime listeners will know I'm a huge Eve stand, um, but this song does a great job of like kind of showing you uh, what the characters are doing leading up to the last scenes in the show, as well as like being an ED, um, as well as just being a great bop. Absolutely. Uh, speaking of great bops, we have coming in at number three, uh, the ED from episode one, which is Chainsaw Blood by Vondi. This one's really great. It's it's just all around good. If you had made this the ED for the entire season, I wouldn't be mad at it. Yeah, it's it's a it's a dope rock song. Yeah. Um, in the second place slot, we have ED number four, Tablet by Tubo. Yeah. Tubo. Um, which is just like it's a power centered ed which uh, immediately is great but also it's like the music is just kind of crazy wild i don't even really know how to fully describe it um but the visuals are just kind of like all these various like power on a turntable and jumping around in a little box and and they're just kind of so it's the perfect melding of music and visuals together yeah the music is kind of like um like almost like an 8-bit pop song um like a pop rock song and then you have power in different outfits like in a nurse outfit there's also like dj mixes in it in the song too it's it's doing a lot yeah, it's it's I've never heard a song quite like it. <laughs> Absolutely. But for the number one ED from Chainsaw Man, we have the ED from episode eleven, which is Violence by Queen B. Violence Um, yeah this song it it not only is the music just fantastic but the visuals uh they're so striking like it's it's done almost entirely in monochrome but it pops off the screen oh yeah it is top to bottom just a visual feast and that song is just like it is what you want to like rock out uh in an ed it slaps absolutely um, so yeah, that is our that is our ranking of the Chainsaw Man EDs, um, and I think uh, from there we're gonna move into uh, some some of our final categories of the show. Uh, we are the gonna get into yeah, we are gonna get into anime of the year. But before that, let's talk about the worst anime. <laughs> And I'll kick it off with our runner-up, which is World's End Harem. Oh, God. We knew it was going to be bad, and it delivered. And in kind of unexpected ways, not only was it 
so bad that they had to take it off the air and re-censor it. But when they re-censored it, they did it in the most obnoxious way possible, where they just, like, kind of blacked out a majority of the screen, which also indicates that there probably wasn't a lot of wholesome content under the blacked out things to begin with well and it's not even just that they blacked out most of the screen it was like this weird jarring like moving jittery. digital black after image um like it just they should have just used sensor bars would have been better like would have at least been there tolerable. were a lot of ways they could have done it better it's like it's like actually like bad censorship not in the way of like the way like the Chinese censor blood in anime oh God, yeah. or something like that but just in the way that like it just looked bad it was poorly done and it's you know they made such a big deal of it and it almost seemed like a publicity stunt and it probably was but like yeah because the show aside from all of the censorship stuff the show itself was also bad, bad. it it's was a bad, bad story. it's not even like it's not even like bad good it's just bad bad it was a bad story that was executed badly and is bad and you shouldn't watch it um yeah but not the worst not the worst the worst anime for this year this one goes to a little anime you might have heard of called Shoot. Um, now, I, and before I get going on this one, I do want to point out, like, we're, we're talking about the worst anime that we watched. I'm sure there is worse anime out there, but <laughs> the viewing experience for this show was singularly Specifically, awful. we didn't watch, like, uh, Harem Labyrinth in Another World and stuff like that. Yeah, I mean, this show had some of it it had the worst cringiest most awkward stilted dialogue of any show i've ever seen and the only way i can describe it is if you've ever gone back and watched a, an old anime that had a really shitty english dub and the way that their their conversations with each other feel forced and don't make sense and they say stuff just that just seems out of nowhere and the tim the timber of their voices is off this show does that, but without a dub. They're doing it in Japanese, and it still feels bad. Um, the show is just, it's cringe on a lot of levels. I forced myself to watch three episodes of it for our for our um, quarterly review episode, and I hated every single second of it. Uh, luckily, I did not watch that show at all. <laughs> yeah, only one of us did it, and I did it so that you don't have to, Best Buds. Um, so you're welcome, is what I'm trying to say. Yeah, and I think with that out of the way, we can finally come to the end of the road, our anime of the year. Yes, that's right, Best Buds. It's anime of the year 2022, the Best Boys Awards. Let's go ahead. Let's start it off with an honorable mention, and that honorable mention goes to my dress-up darling. This... I love this show. This was such a great year to way to start the year off. Yeah. Um, it just was so exciting to watch week to week and was a show that I just I didn't miss. I watched it the day it aired. Yeah, I mean, this this show is one that I had read the manga for previously. I knew it was going to be big and it was still bigger than I expected. It surpassed my expectations um, it, it, it really made the manga jump off the page. Um, it was fairly, it was incredibly loyal to the source material while still also doing things that you can only do in an anime, of course, and doing them well, um, and executing in a way that doesn't feel forced. It felt natural and fun. 
interesting. You felt drawn into the characters, you know, dilemmas and worries and, and joys. Um, and the show was just so perfectly, wonderfully done. Yeah. And just like a really charming love story. Yeah. Uh, very funny, great animation. Uh, just, I can't say enough good things about it. Uh, Marin is like my favorite, like of all time. She's just so wonderful. Um, and yeah, it's, I, I can't recommend it enough to people um, who uh have appropriate uh age or parental supervision i suppose it would be really weird to watch this show with your parents dan <laughs> uh, yeah maybe don't do that <laughs> i would if you're underage i would rather you just watch it and didn't tell anyone than watch it with your parents <laughs> yeah maybe don't do that oh um, man weird. yeah uh, okay so moving on from my dress up darling we're gonna move into the runner-up for anime of the year and that one goes to Chainsaw Man. It is unbelievable that they could take such a hype property and deliver, right? Like there there were some like articles out over the like holidays about like some people are mad about the Chainsaw Man adaptation and you were like, man, it must be a slow news day if if this is well, what we're talking about. Because for real. I think by and large, like it is widely acknowledged, like, holy crap, they did it. Like they actually nailed the adaptation. And that just rarely happens. And especially for something so big as Chainsaw Man. Yeah, I mean for for perspective on that, that like kind of article too, that was they had a petition that was signed by like twelve hundred fans. That is like you can fit that many people in the corner of anime NYC. Like it's yeah, it's negligible. Nothing. It's nothing. This show <laughs> this show was a masterpiece. It is widely like widely renowned as one of the best anime of the of this year. Um, in, uh, just a solid anime adaptation. It's cinematic in quality. It's um, it's just it's gorgeous. It's interesting. Even as somebody who's never read the manga, I am I you know I've been hyped for it since moment one. Um, and it has never disappointed. Every single episode of this show was a hit. Um, and they to be so consistent and to be so um, engaging with your with your show and the way it's presenting the story is just just an incredible accomplishment. Yeah, it's it's everything the fans wanted, and that's really nice <laughs> to have. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they easily easily could have dropped the ball on this one, but Mappa didn't disappoint this time around. Um, so yeah, runner-up for anime of the year is Chainsaw Man, um, and that leads us into the final winner for um, for this any category this year. That is anime of the year. The winner for twenty twenty two is Fanfare of Adolescence. Yes, it's Gay Stuff at Horse School. We got you. <laughs> no, it's Bochi the Rock. Of course, it had to be. Have you been paying attention this whole episode? Like Bochi the Rock not. is. We're like four hours in. <laughs> yeah, Bochi, but Bochi the Rock, it, it it won so many categories. It was it well represented in so many others. It has to be Go Bochi the Rock. This show is just all around, just doing everything perfectly. Like 
the show it, it it it's so deep. It's so it's so it's got so much like uh, so much to think about with this show. You know, there's no really one thing you can point to that says this is the best element of the show. It comes together to make this the best anime of the year. Yeah, absolutely. It it shares a lot of the same. Uh strengths that Isaacan did uh, two years ago where it's just like it's telling an original story uh, about these characters in a fun and unique and visually interesting way and it does all that with throwing music on top of it mm -hmm. which adds even more to it this is a standout to have so many plates spinning and deliver on all them. Yeah, and it, the best part about it too is that it, it, it feels relatable. The story feels relatable. You don't feel like oh. Bochi is some character who you can't like vibe with. Like to me, one of the one of the things that really stuck out to me, especially in the last couple episodes of the show, is the way that it depicts how people with social anxiety view these kind of events in their lives. And that is like, and what I mean by that is like, you know, the lead up is so stressful and it feels like it lasts forever. Like when you're leading up to an event that you're dreading. Um, and then the event itself happens, and it feels like it happens in a snap, you know? And the show does this really well. Like, you have the character, like, you have Bochi freaking out about something for three episodes and, like, learning how to cope with it and deal with it. And then the event itself happens, and it's, like, it lasts for, like, five minutes, and it's done. And it, that kind of catharsis is really relatable, you know? Yeah, I mean, like, I am have anxiety as a person, and this show feels like kind of a you know cartoon representation of that absolutely uh, in, in a very real sense like i'm like oh yeah i know that feeling that's yep that's real yeah and i mean you know even from the technical point of view you have the animation you have the the backgrounds the character design uh everything in this show is just really well crafted it's um for for them to put this amount of effort into what was originally a four panel manga um, is really beautiful and really uh, it, 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 it's executed in such a way that um, you can feel that the people who worked on this show, they loved this story and they wanted to tell it to the best of their ability and they did so with, you know, <laughs> to an extent that no one could have imagined. We almost skipped this show. That's how crazy this is. We almost so, didn't even watch this show. Yeah, and and the last thing I personally want to say <clears throat> about this show is is something that you hit on because it's something that we forgot when we talked about it originally and I've been kind of waiting this whole episode to bring up and I almost forgot again but you nailed on uh the head it's uh, what's the name of that kind of uh manga where it's four panels it's a yonkoma yeah so this story the source material for this story is is four panels like every story is only four panels of story and and that's it and they have turned those into full length you know 23 minute episodes so all in terms of an adaptation which we didn't have a category for this would be a standout winner i don't know if you could have another show that comes close like chainsaw man is a very faithful adaptation but it's I mean, they're changing things with it, but like they have a lot to work with. This, they only have four panels to tell the story. Everything they're filling in is the result of the animation studio. It's almost like an original work. Yeah. Um, 
and the the filling that they bring to it is so good yeah absolutely i i really hope they do another season of this apparently from what i understand they did up to um chapter 20 in the manga and there are like another 30 more chapters uh that are currently released so hopefully that bodes well for a second season because i will absolutely be watching it if it comes out oh for sure absolutely and you all should be too yeah so that that's it that's our anime of the year for 2022 best boy best boys awards winner bochi the rock from cloverworks excellent job congratulations um and that about does it for our best boy awards 2022 edition um let us know what you thought like you know what categories did we get right what did we get wrong where would you uh, here's one i'm curious about uh, listen up, best buds. If you're on Instagram, DM us because I want to know where in the top 10 list of best EDs would you put the Chainsaw Man EDs? Um, let me know that one. Hit us up in our DMs at bestboys underscore pod, or you can send us an email at uh, at uh, thebestboyspod at gmail.com. Um, we would absolutely love to hear from you. Um, and that closes out our, our awards show. Uh, thank you very much for tuning in. I hope you all have an absolutely lovely new year. Wishing you all the best in 2023. We will be back with our uh, winter anime episode 2023, uh, I believe, on the 29th. Is that correct, Best Boy Dan? Yeah, we're taking a little break in January, but we'll be back towards the end. Yep, and that'll be the beginning of season three. So something to look forward. We look forward to seeing you, uh, you folks again. Um, and again, thank you very much for tuning in to season two of The Best Boys. Yes, thank you so much. I hope you enjoyed the award show, and we'll see you for season three. Absolutely. Bye bye. Bye.